for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to our fourth edition of Grinder Stories from Elk Camp, where we talk with everyday elk hunters just like you from all over the U.S. about their elk hunts, all the learning moments, the ups, the downs, steps, realizations, with a bunch of hows and whys, helping you learn from both their successes and their mistakes. On today's edition, we welcome Brian Collins from Pound, Wisconsin. At age 52, Brian's a traditional archery hunter with four years of experience and two traditional archery harvests already under his belt. But Brian's story is one for the books, y'all. It's a story about Wisconsin brothers, elk hunting dreams, a borrowed bow, and a special honor. We call this episode, This One's for Billy. Yeah, buddy, guys, y'all are not going to want to miss this episode. That discussion, our Elk Bro shout outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, from Katy, Texas, we got the leader of the Venezuelan Mafia with us, Mr. Luis Gonzalez. 
That's right, people. From God's country in Burnett, Texas, we got the one and only, the Flatlander, Mr. Cole Wilkes is in the house. And from Cimarron, New Mexico, we've got the ninja, Leroy Chavez in the house. And WWJGD, what would Joe Gillia do? He's in the house. And guys, joining us at Elk Camp today, let's give a warm Elk Bros welcome to tonight's guest. All the way from Pound, Wisconsin. Mr. Brian Collins is in the house. <laughs> Elk hunting stories from us. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> going on, brother Brian? Hey, I appreciate you having me. Not much. Enjoy. All the Elk Bros are in attendance, except hey, for Manano. Oh. But we're always waiting on Manano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better off this it, way. It's a song, Brian. I don't know if you've heard. It. Have you heard the song yet? Which one? Waiting on Manano. Waiting on Manano. I'm waiting on Manano. We have we have a call sign in our industry called WOC, waiting on cement. And uh we have it now for Manano it's WM. <laughs> waiting on Manano. It, it sounds like you guys have heard it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dude. Yeah, it, and it's, uh, I got to admit, man, this last year, I didn't see that this last year. I mean, maybe Luis, well, no, it, it was, was on it, man. Manano was on it, dude. <laughs> we were having to bang a couple of times on that door. I it's remember. always the case. There's no changes. That never changes. I'll tell you what, <laughs> Mr. RC gave him a little bunk in there, and man, he was, he was right as rain. <laughs> he was right. sleeping, Brian. He was sleeping in the horse stall. And dude, yeah, and was happy as could be, man. You yeah. thought that was a Taj Mahal, son. That's <laughs> usually, yeah, does well where animals belong. <laughs> he was just like me. We were so happy we didn't have to pitch a tent, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> now, Brian, where we see, man, it looks like you're in a classroom there. Or? Yep. I, uh, I'm an apprenticeship instructor for our company. I work for a company called Boss Electric in Wisconsin. Okay. And we, we got about 500 employees and we have about 50 apprentices right now. But, so, but you're sitting in our, this is our office. I believe. Yeah, this is, this is the converted office. Oh yeah. Into the Elk Bro <laughs> headquarters. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> we can leave that That's back right. there. That's awesome, dude. That, you so know, are you an electrical engineering company, Brian? Or? We're an electrical contracting company, but we do some engineering. We do a little bit of everything. We, we specialize in the, in the paper industry, uh -huh. um, but we do a little bit of everything and we do it all over the United States. So we, we travel quite a bit. Gotcha. Hmm. So, and, I, and I saw you get up there once. Are you armed while you're there? No, that is my Leatherman and my phone case there. Uh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't miss a whole lot. But when he got up and walked away, it looked like he was carrying a hog leg on his side. So. <laughs> I, I, got some, I got some unruly class classroom kids. So, you know, that's all right. <laughs> keep them alive. You understand. They let them have this man. They're from Texas. <laughs> yeah, I wish they let them have handguns in our classroom. <laughs> no, so that is a multi-tool. Tell us about your, where your home is and, and your family and stuff, bud. I live in uh, Pound, Wisconsin, as as Gilbert said, and it's a small town in there. But we're we're big dairy farmers uh, is where where we came or where I live, and I was born and raised on a farm in, outside of Crivets, and that's that's where my brother lives, and it's a stone's throw away from our town is is Crivets, and uh, Bill and I now we get together quite a bit, um, not as much as when we were younger. We didn't we didn't get that get together that much because uh, when I was really young, my uh, my mom and dad got divorced when I was young and my brothers lived with my dad and me and my sister lived with my mom and my other sister was old enough that she 
she had uh, moved on on her own. And then uh, eventually, three years later, my, my mom passed away. But my two brothers were gone into the service at that point. So then I started to live with my dad. So me and Bill, you know, we weren't that close when I was younger. Pretty close when we were really young when we were going up on the farm, but not not too much until after he came back from the service. And uh, Bill was a, an average archer. He's a very good shooter, um, all shooting sports. And that probably has something to do with his military background too, but very good very good with a longbow and and uh, he's the one that really got me back on track with the the longbow because when we were young that's all we used was was longbows and recurves because you know compounds were just coming out when we were when I was about uh, 10 or 11 my brother got his first compound and uh he was phenomenal with that compound and uh you know I just always looked up to him what's the age difference between you guys he's 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 five years older than I am Gotcha. So that's why, you know, like he had already graduated and I was yes. still not even in high school yet at, yes. at the time my mom passed away. And so was my other brother, my other brother, and both of them went into the service. And, uh, what branches man? Were- army, both of them were in the army. Um, okay. my one brother lives in Texas. He lives there over by Jasper, Texas. Come on, man. In the yeah. town of Jasper. Yeah. A lot of my time and money in Jasper, Texas. <laughs> oh yeah. Fishing Lake got Sam Rayburn. Yep. And he lives, he lives right in the middle there between, uh, Sam Rayburn. What's the other, there's another big lake there. I can't think of the name. Toledo Bend. Yeah. The, he, he, he does phenomenal fishing down there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a great place to go visit. And yeah. you, are you married, have kids or. Yes, I'm married. And I'm sure I got like the sixth, sixth, uh, top wife here. Cause we all probably do, but, uh, just phenomenal <laughs> wife. So I'm lucky yeah, if you like, like me, we outkicked my coverage. I promise you. Oh, <laughs> big time, <laughs> big time. Yeah. That's the best gift I got was her for sure. But, you uh, kids? I have two kids, uh, awesome. or, or three kids, excuse me. I have two, two girls and a boy and I have a stepson, uh, who's 28 now. He, okay. he's, he lives in Texas also. He, he lives, just moved down there to new Brunfels, which oh, i think oh, it's near yeah. New, near yeah near san, I think antonio. It's near san antonio but uh his wife just uh started uh, their her, their own chiropractic business she oh, she got man, her chiropractic man. license and she lives down there oh that's awesome yeah. and and how your other ones your your two girls and your other boy how old are they they are uh 14 15 and 16 so they're right right down the pipe Awesome. So they get a stick in their hand to shoot every now and then too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and actually Logan came with me on my first elk hunt. <laughs> that's so uh, funny. Logan, yeah, he, that's he, my son's name. name. Yep, yep. I know, I know that actually. That's cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Logan came with me on the very first elk hunt when I went to Colorado, and you'll hear a little bit about that too. Awesome. But uh, oh, that's way cool, man. Well, welcome, welcome to joining us. Uh, I'm welcome to the wild ride, brother. Yeah, and everybody that's listening now, Brian's already been with us. He's seen he's had a little bit of the (laughs) pass with us, man. And and I, I, I saw him getting ready to pack up and leave twice. Yeah, to convince him to stay. The only thing, the only thing holding me was his cord. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is not true, and he doesn't strike me like the thin-skinned type of guy. So I mean. It'll fit right in. You have to. You have to. So, uh, man, how, when, so when did you start listening? How did you bump into the Elk Bros? When did you start yeah. listening to the Elk Bros? Tell us a little bit about that, man. I have a, a girl that I went to high school with, and my wife was very good friends with her, best friends, and she lives in Colorado. And her, her, her and her husband have a mutual a friend that 
they kept telling me, you know, Hey, you should come out here, Eric, you know, Eric could take you elk hunting. You guys are going to be, you know, two peas in a pot. He's just like you, you guys would hit it off. Great. You know, you should come on out here. And, you know, I, I finally called Eric and I said, you know, Hey, I, I'd like, I'd like to come out there. You know, would you mind if I came out there? Would you take me? He says, yeah, come on out. Absolutely. I'll take you, take you out hunting. Well, that year I tore my ACL. So Ooh. I couldn't come out that year. And then the following year I tore my rotator cuff. So I couldn't Ooh, go out that geez. year. So I, I had a little lag time there, but, but eventually I got out there and, uh, and Eric taught me a lot. We'll get into that too. But how I heard about you was after my second year, um, we had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good things happened, you know, some bad things happened. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go all in. I got to get better at this. And my, my, my stepson, he says, you know what? He says, you know, I, whenever I drive, I listen to podcasts, you know, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a, too much of a tech. And I'm saying, you know what, that, that'd be a good thing to find. You know, what do I want to get better at? I want to get better at elk hunting. Well, I drive almost an hour every morning and every evening to work from where I live. And it's a perfect opportunity to, to, to listen to the podcast. So obviously I covered every one of your podcasts. Uh-huh, that's, a, that's a bunch it's a lot but it, after, yeah. after the second year you know i i had been up to date coming back out for my third year and i felt so confident my third year and of course for the i don't know whatever hour trip it was it's like a 19 hour trip out there that's the only thing i listened to was the podcast on my way back out so i was too ready cool. Re- hard, Re- Re- reviewing all the ones that i thought would be pertinent and this and that so uh but I will say my third year, I, f- I felt very confident and we had a lot of good, a uh, uh, lot of good ups and downs that year. And yeah, let me ask you, man, since you're here and you're in this session right now, I, you know, how do you feel about the things that go on on this show? I mean, you know, like us having this conversation right now, Gilbert, he's laughing at me. I'm always asking people about this and, and then our shout outs and stuff, man. You know, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity to come and learn, but it's also nice to see other people that that care about each other and that have such a good camaraderie camaraderie you know some people might consider it a lot of talking and this and that but i I enjoy it because i feel like i'm part of camp you know what i mean like i I told you guys before when i sit down and listen to i feel like i'm sitting in the chair next to the campfire you just can't see me you know actually to be honest i feel a little bit like luis because i think luis the first time you went with those guys you didn't actually elk on right you were just kind of there weren't you um yeah yeah we we didn't draw the second time so manano and i we didn't we didn't draw right on the second time but the first time i did hunt with them okay and that's kind of how i felt, I felt like took. i felt like i didn't draw a tag but i was i was along for the ride and you could hear i feel all, like that all the time it's great that you feel that way because it, i think that's the intent i think that's, the yeah, that's yeah. been the intent yeah. from the from day one right from the start yeah, yeah. Awesome. of course that's, joe's probably joe's probably a good guy to have in your back pocket if you if you run into a situation though i'm thinking <laughs> yeah always good to have <laughs> you know the chosen one in your back pocket yeah yeah <laughs> so he's so getting right a little deep in here man i'm gonna have to take <laughs> myself a new hat here in a second <laughs> so 
So I, I've, it worked well last week. And right. since we have Brian here, I've, yeah. I've done a little shift and, and I'm going to do it again this week because I, I okay. really want us to talk about this so that when we get in his story, we're not worried about time at the end there. Sounds so good. we're going to go to the Elk Bros mailbox right away, man. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to hit that. And we've got uh, a question from David Alvarez from Shelton, Washington here, man. Hey, Luis, will you do me a favor and read that, man? When did you guys know it was time to find a career that will coexist with your hunting habits? (laughs) (laughs) This year, I've only got to hunt for five days, two weekends and one random day. I love these five days I had, but I had vacation set up for two weeks. Then an opportunity to move closer to home with the same company presented itself, and I took it. I talked to my new boss that I have two these two weeks set up all year long for my hunting season, but he wasn't having it. A part of me knew taking a new job would have interfered with my hunting season, but I was hopeful that they would honor my vacation that I had already set. As they should. <laughs> I would love to stay with this company that I've worked for the past 10 years, but if this continues, I feel like I should start looking elsewhere. Um, what advice would you give a hunter <laughs> at a hunting versus job crossroads? Whoa, what a great what question, I, man. And oh, Logan yeah. just go through something like this. Yeah. My son, my son just did. Of course you can't, you know, he's 18 years old and he's got the world as his oyster and uh, he's going <laughs> to college and stuff like that. a little bit different scenario. But my, my son said, bye. Felicia. <laughs> I'm going to go hunting with I'm going the hunting. leader of the Venezuelan mafia. That's right. The leader of the Venezuelan mafia and one of my closest friends. I'm going to go uh, hunt with Mr. Luis and Manano and my dad. And uh, no, man, you know, that kind of advice uh, is hard to give, you know. Absolutely, uh, man. Because it, it, it depends on every, I mean, it's so relative yes. to everybody's situation. <sighs> Um, what type yeah. of job you have, you know, how many years you have in, whether it's retirement attached, yeah. what you're looking for, where you're going. I mean, take a look at our buddy Guy DuPont. Well, I, I'm not going to bring that up right yeah, now. because he's out too, man. He's, he's <laughs> I, I, can't, and I, can't, checking. I can't go anywhere with that yet either. I mean, but there's people out there that we know that in in their job set, they start looking at something else so that, I mean – YOLO, man, we only live once, right? Yeah, you only right. live once. But, but Cole, what are your thoughts on that, man? Because, you know, I think... <laughs> I say, I think ditch that job. Let's go hunt. But <laughs> 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 my brother, badass Cole Wills, was going to say, I absolutely <laughs> knew what was coming out yeah. of this oh, Listen, man. listen, David. I all... working for the man nine years ago and started working for myself so that I could go out and do what I wanted and hunted. And there wasn't anybody but my wife and my kids that could say any different, right? And as long as they were cool with it, then I everything else would fall into place. And, you know, thank God so far everything has kind of worked yeah. out, you know? There is a level of being super brave there to yeah. make that decision. No and doubt. And you, that I be willing to fail. I, yeah. And, and look, I, I've, I found myself in that crossroads several times, especially in the last couple of years where I'm like, man, you know, this hunting is my passion. Um, I work to hunt mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the priorities of your job 
sustain your family and secure, you know, a safety net for your family and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I, I want to be able to support my, my passion, which is hunting. Yeah. Um, and then you enter into that mental dilemma of, well, if at work, they don't let me hunt and I'm being miserable at work. If I'm working to hunt, but I can't hunt, then why am I working? And then it, it just, it's just tough, man. And look, I, you know, I, the, I, I'm on a, um, I got a new job now and, and it's, it's very challenging, uh, you know, and, and oftentimes I wonder, it's like, hmm, is there a way for me to make an early retirement here and then concentrate on what, I, you know, what I love and what I'm passionate about? I think and, you and I had this conversation yes, going hunting this weekend. I mean, right. we were all over it and like, look, um, you know, we need to make this happen. You know, we need to make this what we do for a living. And, and I've been so fortunate, man. I've gotten to travel around the world hunting and fishing as my job, taking clients with me and uh, building relationships as we, as we moved forward through the oil field community, our sales jobs and stuff like that lend us to do that where we can take our clients hunting. So man, for 20 years, I lived that. Right. So I got to do a lot of hunting with my clients and I still do today. Right. It's a different, you know, post COVID it's so different now, but at the end of the day, that's what I kind of set my sights on. I, I really wanted to, to be able to hunt and fish for a living. And my wife told me, well, you're living a dream boy. I mean, I was gone just about every weekend for 10 or 15 years, taking clients hunting or fishing somewhere. So um, I owe that to my job to, you know, I owe that to the good Lord. He blessed me with an opportunity to do that. And uh, I, enough to where I know that's what I want to finish out doing is yeah. hunting, so, hunting somewhere, you know, Brian, what, what your thoughts on this? Well, for me, you know, you know, I don't know his, his situation exactly, but you know, it's unfortunate that he had to move to a new place for the first year and he doesn't have a rapport built up, you know, with his new bosses, his new coworkers. But I, I think something that he's going to have to do, over time is, is let them know, Hey, you know, this is, this is valuable to me. This is something that's important to me. Um, what can I do? What kind of work can I make up to make sure that I, I can do this? And for some jobs you can do it and some jobs you can't like for me, right. you know, we're expected to do a certain amount. And if, if we give them our all, you know, our company, our, it's a great company to work for because we give them our all. They understand that when you ask for something, that's all right. You need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, our fan, our, our company is, a lot of hunters in it. So, you know, they understand that. And, uh, that, that's what helps me take off September, most of September to, to, to go hunting. So I'm fortunate, but again, it's a rapport you got to build up with your, yeah. with your employer. I agree. Yeah. And that's and one of the things that employment guide too. how much time you can take off at a time. Right? Yeah. But it depends on the type of job too. It, it does. And, 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 you know, I think you touched on something, Brian, that's important and it's, got to do with the clear expectations, clear communication yeah. that that can go a long ways. Right. So yeah. when I was before getting this job that I'm, you know, in right now, um, I, I had, I was worried because it's like, I'm starting a new job. I'm probably not going to have enough vacation days and I have my elk hunt plant with my elbows <laughs> and how am I going to swing this? Right. So right off the bat, as soon as the conversations on my start date, where I talked to the gentleman that was going to be my, my supervisor and my manager, I told him, it's like, Hey, look, man, listen, this is, this is happening. I just need to understand 
you know, if this is possible and, and just every couple of weeks, I'll remind me, Hey, remember the first couple of weeks of September, are we cool? Is this, you know, something that we can manage, you know, can we have somebody cover and, and, you know, it, it just kind of maintaining that right. and, and on the radar and, right. and people We're, expecting it, you know, so. And, and, and letting them know what will it take? Is there anything else yeah. I can do? Is there more time yeah. I can work right. in a different exactly. area or and, whatever? And then takes. there's also another guy in the group that, also takes a certain time off at the year to go, you know, hunting in Canada as well. So it was like, and we were kind of on the same team. So I was like, Hey man, let's do this. I'll cover for you, you know, those two weeks. And then, you know, you cover for me and then, you know, we're good. And we talked you to take, our manager about it. So you take kind like of, our situation, like Chad, what, what was it like, you know, for, for you? Well, well, for the longest time we, we had a couple of weekends and that was about it. Mm-hmm. But it just just so happened that Labor Day was Labor Day. Yeah, Labor Day would fall. <laughs> Labor Day would fall at the right time for us, and uh, we had a good rapport with our uh, administration. We were teachers for, and coaches, by the way. Yeah. So, and my know, wife, my wife is a teacher also, and we we deal with the same things, struggling to get vacations lined up at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. man. I mean, summertime so that's great, really important. Help yeah. us in the fall. Go ahead, no. bud. Yeah, that communication with your administrator is real important if you're a teacher and, uh, you know, if you're doing a good job. And, and uh, you know, basically, I don't think we ever missed school for any other reason. No. You know? Yeah. We, and that was just an afternoon, you know. Yeah. And, and so, there was things that we tried to adapt as well to try to get as much time. But right. Sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I get what you remember when I came into camp, man, you guys had already been there for a day and I would only have four days to come in and guide, you know, I'd show up at night and we were going the next day and stuff like that. You know, I mean, we were, and we're fortunate because we taught in a school that had a four, uh, a four day teaching week. Wow. That's really nice. Yeah. So we had a three day weekend. You tag on one day at the end of that, you know, one of your sick days or one of your off days Mm -hmm. on there, you you could put together four days. And, you know, as you get older and, you know, seniority, and I think that's part of it, man, is, is David is just, you know, I'm not sure how old you are, bud. um, But, you know, paying your dues a little bit kind of helps let, let your boss see who they have, you know, let, let your boss see what kind of person you are, what you give, um, and then you will get a little. And if yep. you're not, then I would start, yeah. you know. For, I mean, for sure, yeah. pull your pull your own weight because yeah. you don't want to give them an excuse not to let you go. Yeah, and anytime, yeah. anytime you take a new job, you need to have that in your negotiations, you know. Yeah. Um, negotiate what your, what your, what your uh, off time is going to look like and when you can take it and stuff like that. And, so, but and it obviously a lot of people out there, dude, that are in jobs that they have to have. And they, there is no negotiation. It's like, I need a job, man. It's like, oh, no, there's always tomorrow, a negotiation. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, my advice to David would be, or to David, uh, would be. <laughs> what, what was that? David Alvarez. Oh, oh, Alvarez. Okay. Uh, so it, my advice to him would be, look, you are you have a great mix of answers here from yep. different perspectives and, you know, take the hybrid different route. age groups too. Yeah, exactly. So oh. take the hybrid answer and, and look, you know, yes, job is certainly important. Yes. Your passion is certainly important. Can you keep both? And then in the meantime, is there something that you can start building in the background to yes. uh, give you the security and then, you know, end up, doing what Cole is doing, you know, and, and then, so that, that's the path that, 
the ideal path that I think we would all follow, right? You know, get a good job, build enough money to give you the stability to a point to where now you can chase your dreams and, and your passion. And, or you can go and to Alaska, it. fish for three months and have the rest of the year off. So that's right. I mean, Cole, Cole, <laughs> let me ask you a question. How long did, yeah, it you, how long did it take you to realize that this was what you had to do? I mean, were you working for somebody else? How long yeah. have you been in this <laughs> mode of where you're at right now? Um, so I've been working for myself for about seven years. Okay. I knew the very moment that I heard my first elk bugle that I was going to do it for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, Me too. And I, Me too. I, from that point forward, I pretty much started to devise a plan on how I was going to make that happen. It definitely didn't happen overnight. It happened over many, many years, you know, of, of, you know, us being in a house and then, you know, paying 14, $1,500 a month just for the house and then bills. And now, I mean, we live in a mobile home, you know, so we don't have that bill so that me and my wife can travel and do the things we want to do, sure. you know, so we made sure we weren't house poor. We made sure that our bills and stuff were taken care of to the point that, you know, I can take the whole month of September off. It's a matter of uh, what do you value time or money? And it's time when it comes to hunting. You know what I mean? Obviously. And but, you ain't getting any more of that back. No. Yeah. Time but, is the most. But when mama and the three kids have. are dependent on that mortgage and that money and that food, right. there's some things that you got to sometimes right. sacrifice as well. So yes, it, it's yep. a tough push pull me, man. It really is yeah. for a lot of people out there. And, you know, I think every person needs to look at it, look at how they can better their situation within their situation and their life, man. Like, like Cole did, you know, like, and what Gilbert talks about negotiating, sometimes you just got to negotiate, you know, with yourself, you know, and within your family. And, and you guys mm -hmm. talk about those goals and, and try to make that happen, man, because I lose those, that family negotiations all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you right. know, again, again, that's, that's something that's key is having that family support, you know, absolutely. No, and, I, and I lie. I, I can't, I couldn't be more blessed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen them all in camo. Gil, take us up, man. <laughs> absolutely, guys. Y'all know what time it is. Uh, it's time uh, for our Elk Road uh, shout-outs. Uh, if you're new to our show, this is just a shout-out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts mm -hmm. this week, Joe. All right, Jeff. Okay, uh, this week's top listening city is known for peaches and holds an annual celebration called Peach Days on the weekend after Labor Day. Much of Main Street is closed off and the festival is celebrated with a parade, a car show, a carnival, and other activities. Located on the western slope of the Westville Mountains, a branch of the Wasatch Range, this is the headquarters of the Northwestern Band of the Shoshone Nation, named after the Mormon leader Brigham Young. And this is Brigham, Utah. Yeah, bring them Utah. <laughs> hey, let's hear that, Brian. You got that? Yeah, huh? Yeah, but that's almost as bad as Manano's. Yeah, man. yeah, dude. <laughs> but, but, Manano's boy. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know that Utah grew a bunch of peaches, man. I mean, I had you no figured that peaches would be grown down in the south somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that's pretty but, wild. But Washington does, don't they? Washington does a lot of like peaches apples. and apples and stuff. And that yeah, Utah. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty close over there. So <clears throat> you betcha. Yep. Well, Joe, this next city at the base of the UN Mountains, which I've been to, is part of a bigger area called yeah. Bridger Valley, named after famous frontiersman 
Jim Bridger, who established a fort here in the 1840s. The city hosts an annual rendezvous with people dress in a 19th century attire and enjoy homemade root beer among many activities. Originally founded as a Mormon agriculture colony, the main employer in the area is the ash soda industry. If you love pizza, TJ's Pizza is a must stop for tourists with its pizza and yellow cake shakes in Lyman, Wyoming. Lyman, Wyoming. Right Wyo. there at the base of the UNM. Yeah, <clears throat> County, as a matter of fact. Dude, I don't think there's many places you haven't been, man. We well, I worked, worked time, up man. there. We sold a bunch. So Marathon drilled a bunch of wells in the UNA Basin uh, there in Utah. So I got to go. He hasn't been to around. Venezuela. That's why he can't be the Venezuelan mafia leader. <laughs> <laughs> been all around it, but not never yeah. to Venezuela. So somebody explain to me what the ash soda industry is. I'm, I have no idea. Anybody? Soda ash? I think soda ash is made. Soda ash. It's, yes. I don't know if it's for drywall or concrete, but it's. I think they use it for other products like that. Yes. I'm not exactly sure which ones. Oh, but okay. Used in the whole industry as well. Gypsum. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, um, I'm up for a yellow cake shake, man. And uh, and something else to talk about at some point in time. Wyoming is going through something that um, uh, they're they're talking about the public corner crossings in yes. Wyoming. That's a big thing going on mm-hmm. right now. Um, if you if for our listeners out there, um, if you haven't read up on that. Go check out what's happening in Wyoming with the public corner crossings because uh, that's a ruling that could, you know, I think a lot of states could really work on dealing with that as well. And basically, you have hunters on public land that find um, where the corners are from you know, a a block of land to another block of land. So it's kind of checkerboarded with private on each part on that. And they cross in those corners and being arrested for trespassing. So um, they're trying to work to get that changed so that um, that's not the case, that that's something that can be done. Yeah, I think there's a a petition that you can go sign. I think actually backcountry hunters and anglers, um, I think is kind of working on that deal. It started from a couple of guys that hopped a corner and didn't know the rules and they thought they were doing okay by going from public corner to public corner. And, uh, you know, now they're being prosecuted. Yeah. Which, which is to me is just outrageous, man. People trying hard to do it right and end up being prosecuting. So making a criminal out of somebody that's not, all right. But that's 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 a great conversation to have at some point. Topic. Time. Yep. Yes, sir. Luis. You know, right. Soda ash is to cut pH in water and uh it also helps in pulp wood uh for making paper products. Oh, use. all right. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Quick Googler. Yeah, quick. <laughs> Our <laughs> next stop listening city is located forty miles from both the Nebraska and Kansas borders, located on top of the massive Ogallala Aquifer. It is one of the most productive agricultural counties in Colorado. The water drawn from the Ogallala Aquifer supports 800 farms and more than 260,000 head of cattle. Special events include the annual Old Threshers Day Festival, a celebration of their farming history in wheat threshing and corn husking. Hmm. Yuma, Colorado. Yuma. Yuma, Yuma, Colorado. I, I love the name Yuma, man. That's that it's popular down in Arizona, Yuma, right. Arizona, but that's such a cool name right there. 
Hey, Colorado, man, you guys are rocking it. Thanks for all these guys that are listening, man. Thank you very much. All right, here we go. Y'all bear with me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this former farming community is a suburb of Lansing, Michigan. The oh. Michigan, what? <laughs> the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame was established here in 1983 to honor the achievements of remarkable Michigan women, such as Serena Williams, Rosa Parks, and Harriet Quimbley, the first woman in the U.S. to gain a pilot's license. The city was named after the nephew of Chief uh, Pontiac, the powerful Chippewa War uh, chieftain. Following in his uncle's footsteps, the chief's anglinized name meant Little Chief. Little Chief. Okemos, Michigan. Okemos, Michigan. That's cool. Where Where's that at, Gil? You know, right in the middle. Yeah, man. Right in the middle. <laughs> right in the Lansing. middle, huh? Yeah. Last up, this city is located in the Mohawk Valley in New York and is known for its riggies, greens, and pies. Renowned for its Italian-American cuisine with specialties that include fried meatballs, sausage rolls, and a mildly spicy dish called chicken riggies. In the 20th century, it was a worldwide hub for the textile industry. During this time, political corruption and organized crime had nothing to do with the Italians. I'm just saying this, man. Nothing to do with them. (laughs) Gave it the nickname Sin City. The city's name was chosen from a name drawn from a hat. (laughs) That's awesome. And presumed to reference an ancient Roman city in North Africa. Utica, New York. Utica in the house. Yeah. And you guys oh, know what Riggies are, don't you? Chicken mm. riggies? Riggies are rigatoni. Rigatoni, yeah, rigatoni. noodles. Mm. Uh, rigatoni. Yeah. yeah. So in that area, man, uh, rigatoni and chicken, you know, sauce stuff, it's a, it's a popular popular dish there, man. Hey, yes. hey, Joe, real quick, before we get into um, topic here, we got some really cool footage from this weekend. And <laughs> I'm going to try to put something together uh, <laughs> to share in our YouTube channel about the hunt with big O and the killer assassin logan man oh, it was awesome, a tribute man. hunt to my late cousin ty weston Lothringer right. too so That's we had awesome. a big time up on the red river man uh telling ty stories and all kinds of stuff and I've, I've uh i've been to a lot of places hunting man but i gotta give it to my boy luis he's one of the most gracious hosts i've ever hunted with the cat wouldn't even let me touch nothing dude i couldn't make dinner i couldn't clean my animal i mean nothing dude it was we were honored to be there to be at their place that they have up on the red river and it's an amazing place we had a we had a time of ups and downs and uh i'll uh just leave it at that it was like Ty was jacking with us the whole time from <laughs> heaven, man. I'm telling you. You know, my cousin's a big prankster and loved to pull practical jokes. And uh, I think uh, he had an absolute ball watching us uh, 
struggle and then become the, uh, you know, the, what was that like the wild world of sports where you had the uh, thrill of victory and the agony of defeat? Well, (laughs) for sure. uh, We had all of that going on, but I can't thank Luis enough for inviting us. The the honor was mine to have both of you out there. It was long overdue. I get a, I get a video call from these guys, man, in the morning (laughs) and they're in the stand. Yo, we're in the stand. They're like, they whispered to me, man, They're like that. And and I'm like, what we, get, we saluted him. We gave him the one finger salute. Too, <laughs> and and next thing I know, they're telling me about how they got blown over with you know that that oh. night before and it destroyed camp. Sand was everywhere. In fact, I think Luis, I shared this with my wife, man, and Luis said, in fact, I think Gilbert's forming a pearl. Right yeah so i told him i said we had so much sand in our crack we're making a pearl man listen i i laughed so hard this weekend like you wouldn't believe man oh, turns out God. beto is afraid of heights i don't like getting up <laughs> and and our tree stands are like 25 foot up in the air man you should see him it took him half hour to go from the ground to the top <laughs> the, the the brutal uh, dude. the blind the a tree stand, man. Like he these was cats like, can't think they can kill like, you. Um, you should call this thing the skyscraper instead of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, yeah. I'm like, I, I never in my life seen things so high. I'm like, good God, man. Anyhow, I hey. want to. I'll put something together and I'll yeah, share I it in the YouTube it, man. channel, man. But we got it. we got some really cool footage and had an incredible time. So, Craig, welcome to El Camp, man. You can tell you're in amongst <laughs> it right now. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, went, I went called Brian Craig, man. I was used yeah. to last week there, Brian. <laughs> That's welcome, right. Welcome, 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 man, to El Camp, man. I, pr- I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're right in amongst it, right? <laughs> so, um, Brian, we can't thank you enough for all the the uh, support that you've given us. I mean, I, this guy's actually listened to out 19 hours of podcasting his travels and stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot of me, Joe and the mafia time, man. I mean, it's, it's a lot, dude. You had to be like, that was one, that was, that was one trip to, to Colorado from Wisconsin. Crazy. Wow. We Ryan, appreciate you, your support, brother. What you should do is go elk bros. I thought this was elk talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, man. So you're up, man. Let's, let's talk about everything. Let's talk about your story because your story, when, when I read it, when, when you sent me the email, man, it was like, this is, this is what it's about right here. Um, And it was so different because it involved traditional archery. It involved some years of struggle of hunting and stuff like that. But most of all, the backstory of how hunting started with you, what it meant between you and your brothers, and how that actually played into your whole mindset, your whole focus, and your whole goal for this season. So can you tell us a little bit about that backstory, man? Yeah. yeah. You know, like I said, we grew up on a farm and and. I was fortunate enough that our, our dad always made sure that we had 
longbows around and we would we would uh terrorize frogs and we'd you know we'd cook frog legs over the fire and we'd cook uh chipmunks and squirrels and and whatever whatever squirrels whatever we could get and that was large and large in part because of my big brother because you know he he's the one that always came up with these ideas and of course i just i just followed along and thought it was the greatest thing in the world you know Mm -hmm. being being five at that time and him 10 when we were when we were in the thick of it uh that that was pretty exciting time and you know over the years you know like i said after you know after we left the farm uh, my parents had bought a resort and that resort was right next to a a large public property it it eventually turned into a a a state forest for us and uh we were fortunate to be able to go out a back door and have all kinds of you know access to go hunting and uh, like I said, my brother got me back on track with the uh, with the traditional archery because when he came back from the service, and, and that, which brother is this? This is talking? brother Bill. This is my brother Bill. What came back from this? My my brother, other brother was he was in till retirement. He was in much longer, but um, my brother Bill had come back. He says, "Hey, you want to go hunt? We'll go out on the public land. I'll meet you out there in the morning." I said, "All right." Up. He says, "Well, I'm going to go in, in in this area and I'll meet you out there." So he said, "We'll meet back at the car at like ten o'clock or something." So I thought, okay, had no idea where he was going, you know, the exact spot, but I knew the rough area. So I head out there and at that time I was hunting with a compound and, and, uh, that morning, you know, he had told me there was a, I've been seeing this big buck. You should come out there. And I'm like, all right, great. So I get out there and that morning, sure enough, here comes this, this great big buck coming right for me. And I'm like, at that time, that was the biggest buck I I would have had a chance for. And it was coming right paralleling where it would have been courting away coming underneath my stand and i pull back my bow and of course this is when you have a lot of them are still that way you have a sling on your hand holding it to the bow mm-hmm. i have a sling on my release i have my my release clip to my arrow and i pull my bow back and my arrow falls and it's laying on my elbow you know uh, on the inside and this buck just kept walking by the time i could let down and get it back and he left and it should have been a gimme i mean it was should have been the easiest shot you in and, the world you and chav have similar stories man oh <laughs> and, 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 and i i promise you i i can't make these these stories up so i'm i'm sitting there and i'm thinking to myself there has got to be an easier way i mean i, I can't believe that just happened and i'm all discouraged and I sat there for probably 20 minutes and all of a sudden I could see a deer to my left and it comes over and I could tell it was a doe, but I, I, I could see it and it looked like it was walking funny. And I'm like, what's going on with that deer? And all of a sudden I couldn't see it anymore. And I'm like, well, that was really weird. I didn't think anything of it. Also, I bet you 15 minutes go by, maybe 20. And all of a sudden I hear this screaming, you know, like loud screaming. Woo-hoo, yeah, woo! And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? And I look over there and I'm like, I thought maybe my brother fell out of a tree stand or something. So I get down and I start walking over there and I get over there and my brother's sitting there with a recurve in his hand. And he says, I got one. <laughs> and he had shot that doe and the doe died just not far from me. And uh, that's how me and my brother think alike. We ended up in the same, almost the same identity. We were probably a hundred yards apart, you know, awesome. and, and not even knowing it. And he shoots this deer and I walk over and I'm like, that's the easier way right there. <laughs> and, uh, that next day I ordered two longbows and I never used my compound again. I started, I started using that compound and, and, uh, How long did it take you to become proficient with your longbow? It didn't take as long as you thought, if that's the only thing you shoot. So by the following year, I, I felt really confident. And, uh, fortunately I, 
I had harvested a nine pointer that, that year, a nice nine pointer. And there, there's a story behind that too. Cause I asked my brother, Hey, where, where, where did you go? And he says, well, I to get it mounted. He says, well, I took it to uh, Dan Parker, which he's going to be part of this story too, but he, Dan Parker is a taxidermist and I didn't know Dan, but my brother knew him. So I took it to Dan and I find out Dan is a traditional archer too. And, uh, didn't think anything of it got to talking with him I said hey you know we shoot by my house quite often you should come over sometime and and uh we would get together and shoot and uh the following year I started making my own arrows and I shot another nice buck and I brought it to Dan again and and uh uh I said Dan hey you should really come over and shoot because he hadn't come over at that time and again you know got to know him a little bit better but he still didn't come over and you know we've, we've talked about it and and this and that and bill knew him better than i did at the time but the following year again i brought him one more deer and he says you know what i'm gonna come over by your place so he started coming over to my place and he's the one that actually got me dan parker and his dad jerry got me started going out west because my brother got me back in traditional but dan is the one uh like i said he he, he ended up getting me to go out west because again i can't make this story up but I'm out hunting one day and I had made a bow and I had made the arrows and I had a stone tip and I literally just shot the buck. Okay. A buck. There was an eight point buck ran across the food, the food plot. And I just ran out of sight, but I knew I made a good shot and I'm sitting there worried about the shot and wondering how it's going to play out. And my buddy, Dan calls me on the phone. He says, Hey, I got to ask you a question. He says, would you want to go out West antelope hunting? And, uh, he says, you know, we've been coming out here the last couple of years. He says, I think you do pretty good out here. And I said, well, let me think about it. Okay. I'm in when we go. <laughs> and so we set it up the following year. So after I brought that deer to Dan, I'm like, we started setting it up where we started playing and he started coming so, over shooting. So but before you go too far, I want to step yep. back and make sure and know that everybody heard that you made the bow, you made yes. the arrows, arrows and you were shooting a flint tip. Flint tip and a buddy of mine had helped me a flint napper. I had met, I had traded him a bunch of feathers. So I gave him a bunch of feathers and he gave me three stone tips and I ended up shooting two deer with those stone tips. The other one I never used, but, uh, yeah. So are you shooting turkey uh, feather veins? Yes. And there's a story put that, that gotcha. we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but yep. yes, the turkeys that we shoot as a family, mm -hmm. I take and cut into, to make turkey feathers, uh, sure. And like I said, we'll add to that That's in a little awesome. bit, but if it weren't for Dan and Jerry to get me going out West, I would have probably never gone elk hunting. Cause I went out elk hunting and I was pretty familiar with Google earth at the time from all the whitetail hunting me and my brother had done. So when we started looking at this ranch that they went to and he had, a, they had a great rapport with the rancher. They, they, they stayed in his bunkhouse and it, it was the, the Taj Mahal of setups as far as you could go for archery hunting. But we discovered that there was a lot more watering holes and a lot more opportunities on that ranch than what they, they had even known about at that time. And I was fortunate enough to, when I went out there, the very first day of the hunt, I shot an antelope and me and Dan were there for 10 days. So I made it a point after that, because the ranch, the, the one thing the rancher said, he says, there's elk on the ranch. He says, they're hard to find, but if you find them, you got to go up in the canyons, you got to look for them and this and that. So from that day on, I started looking for the elk and I would find them and I would try to uh, get as close to them as I could each day. And, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, they make these, they're out there. You ever see them? Uh, art, they're like a, they call them archery tag arrows, but they're like a big nerf arrow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nerf tip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
they make another one that's it's like a rubber blunt <clears throat> so it's about half that size but i would use it to shoot rattlesnakes because i tried to i got like i don't know six rattlesnakes that trip to make bows with okay so i could put on my bows but i thought to myself one day you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try to see how close i can get to one of these elk and just shoot them with that rubber blunt just to just to see if i could do it right so every day i try to get closer and i try to get closer and i try to get closer and and one day i sneak over the top of this canyon and they're all down there and they're all facing the other way but two cows and i'm like i think i could sneak right down there so i sneak down to slide down this this uh and yeah, the canyon down the edge. And of course, you know, there's cactuses there. So as I'm scooting on my butt, of course, I got like five cactuses <laughs> oh, in my legs. And <laughs> you, you learn a lot. That, that was one of the learning curves there. But but anyway, I ended up, I, I shot that bull at about 30 yards in its bed. And I thought, man, this is the coolest. It didn't even hurt him. He, he didn't even know what happened. He stood up and looked around. And then the next, they all eventually stood up and they took off. But that's how I started because every year after that, I would just look for the elk, just look for the elk, just mm-hmm. to see if I could find them. And uh, I started applying for uh, elk points in Wyoming, which I think right now I got, um, I think it's nine or 10 right now. My wife has, my wife's going to go with me in two years. She's got, oh, awesome. She's got like six or seven. My kids all have points. So I thought, you know what I better do? I should probably learn how to elk hunt. So that's how I ended up picking Colorado to get an over the, t- over the oh. counter. <laughs> so you say okay. I should learn how to elk hunt uh, at this point hmm. in time, and this is wrong. So far ahead of the curve. I, yeah. Okay, so you you went boom, boom, boom on your deer. You go out, you shoot an antelope. You're shooting um, uh, traditional archery with an effective range of what, Brian? On an elk, I wouldn't be afraid to shoot a 35 yard shot on an elk as long okay. as it's oh, opening. And, so. and and the elk would the elk and you guys know this. The elk would have to know would would have to not know you're there. Yeah. Like if it saw me. And it was nervous. I wouldn't shoot that far because the elk's not going to be there by the time my arrow gets there. You know, you so, got to worry about that. So you take that effective range of 35 yards, you go in, you find elk, you move in, you slide in, you use your hunting abilities. Yes. You have and that's, in your woods that's all I had. And you get it that's done, man. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that's a huge point to make because everybody so much gets so stuck on the fact that, you know, oh, it's awesome. To, like, like Cole said, man, once you hear that bugle, yep. that's everything, man. It's so cool. That's, right. uh, that's something that you love to do. But, man, you, you know, you're a perfect example of you can get it done if you want to get it done. And then you started learning the other skill sets so that you could add yeah. to that, right? Yep. And like you, like you said, a lot of it's just hunting, you know, after watching them for a few days, you know, where they're going, you know, where the water is, you know, where they're going to drink, you know, where you should be in between, you know, where the cool spots are during the day. So you can start putting two and two together over time. You know what I mean? And, and that's what got me started. And then, uh, like I said earlier, I said, uh, you know, I had a mutual friend out in Colorado that my, my wife's best friend, and I, I knew her in school and her husband, and they set me up with a fellow out there who just happens to not only is a good elk hunter, he's, he's very, uh, uh, he's a Christian, he's a super nice guy, but he's, he's, he'll help anybody. He's taken so many people elk hunting, just like me. Like, I don't even know how many, but, uh, very hospitable. I stayed with him, never met the guy before. And we're out there hunting and I'm staying at his house and blah, blah, blah. But the, the first day I go out, uh, to, to, and I brought my son with me. So keep in mind that I, I have my my 13 year old son with me on this first trip. So we both go out there and the goal was, you know, hopefully we get an elk. So I show up there like I do for antelope hunting. I have my, uh, I have my, my, I got a pull behind just at that point, I just had a pull behind trailer 
and I had a freezer and a generator on it and everything. And when I pulled in, he says, how long you plan on staying? I said, well, I Logan's staying for a week. I said, because he's got to go back to school, but I'm staying till I get a, get an elk or season ends. And he, he knew I wasn't going to hunt with him the whole time, but he was going to get me started. You know what I mean? And he was cool. And he's like, you know, he's, and at one point he said, you know, you realize only 10% of the people get elk, you know, like he was surprised that I brought the freezer and everything. I'm like, well, you got to plan ahead. Right. And I said, well, he said, absolutely, man. and he said, you know, you realize, you know, 10% of people get an opportunity at an elk. I said, well, all I can do is work 90% harder than those 10%. Uh, amen. And that's the math. I said, you know, all I got, all I can do, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I probably, I know I'm not the best elk hunter, but I know, it's going to be hard to outwork me when it comes to getting an elk because I'm going to try to outwork the elk. Cause I can't outsmart the elk. You know what I'm saying? All the time. And I'm trying to work on that. And that's my goal. But at this time I definitely couldn't because when I went out there, this is my first mistake. So you guys, you know, I don't, I want our listeners to understand mistakes. So I went out there and I'm going to meet this guy and I had nothing to worry. I didn't do any e-scouting. I didn't do anything worried about calling. Cause you know, I'd call him, Hey, you got the spots. Yep. Yep. And he showed me the areas and I'd look at them a little bit. Cause like I said, I was familiar with Google earth, but I didn't pick any spots and I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I really didn't learn how to call, uh, as far as, as Bugan goes, I can cow call real good. Cause like I said, back to Dan and his family, they got me started in Turkey hunting. Dan's an excellent Turkey hunter helped me learn to call, helped me with the duck hunting and stuff. So the turkey hunting kind of went hand in hand with all the cow calls and, yeah. and, and being familiar with that. So I was okay on that end, but he took us to a spot that, you know, you, you guys, I don't know how it is in New Mexico, but this road, I wouldn't even call it a road. I would call it like a dry riverbed. Okay. Because it was so rocky and so windy. And I know if like he would drive and he's trying to stay all the way to the left and I'm in the passenger seat looking like straight down going, Oh God, please don't go anywhere, go over any farther. It took me a little while to get used to it because it was such, such yeah, New Mexico, we call those roads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. So, you know, being from uh, Wisconsin, wasn't familiar with that, you know, right. and uh, we get up to where he wanted us to go. And we, by that point, we had got there in the morning, we got him loaded up. We stopped at the, you know, the grocery stores and gas stations and everything. And we got up there too late to hunt that day, but plenty of time to glass. So we had gotten our camp set up and I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go glass. And the first place I start to glass, there's, there's elk and I could see, I could see a bull right off the bat. So I went and got Eric. I'm like, there's elk up there already. And uh, we went, we ended up seeing, I think there was two bulls and 10 or 15 cows and, and this and that. And, and the next morning we went up there and uh, we missed the elk. We, 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 we saw them, but we didn't have a good setup on them. Didn't, weren't able to call them in. And, uh, but we were set up for that evening. Like when we went back, you know, to where we were going to go, we were going to be in pretty good shape. And when you say you didn't have a good setup, what do you mean by that? Like the elk were too far away and they were moving up and we were too far behind. I don't think they could even hear us enough. We couldn't cut them off enough before they got over top. And they we were went up over, to a destination. Yep. And beat them again. Yep. So we were going to get to the top and we we're going to try to get them when they come back in the evening. And, uh, my son was with us that time and, and he, he was doing great, but he had a problem by the, by that afternoon where he, he was getting some signs of altitude sickness. And, uh, we were a little concerned about that, but it wasn't that bad at that point yet. But that evening, of course, uh, 
you know, Eric sets us up in a good spot because Eric's, I wouldn't call him a real aggressive hunter, but he knows how to elk on. He knows how to put you in the right places. And he put us in the right place because we were within, I would say, uh, 55 yards or so from a, a four by four bull that I thought my son was going to have a fairly good chance on, but it ended up, it ended up splitting between me, Logan, and then Eric on the other side. So neither of us ended up getting a shot at that bull, but the first day here we are first, first evening, (laughs) first evening, there's a bull and I'm, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more excited. I'm, I'm just to the moon. Okay. So the next morning, I get up early. I make breakfast. I'm all excited. Can barely sleep, of course, you know. And uh, I got breakfast made for Eric, and we're all set up. And and uh, Eric was sleeping in the back of his truck on a mattress. And we're talking, and all of a sudden he got up to tie his shoes, and he threw his back out. And he threw his back out so bad that I mean he could barely walk at that point. I mean, like we. we there was, there was no way he was going to go hunting. Matter of fact, he, he didn't hunt for about a week. So that's mistake number <laughs> number two is we didn't have a backup plan, and I couldn't get back to there after. Once we left, I couldn't get back to where we were with my truck because it, it was that bad. But he says, hey, he says, I'm not going to be able to move for a while. He says, I'm just going to lay down. He says, why don't you leave Logan here? He's having problems with the altitude sickness. We'll pack up camp. He says, do you think you can find your way back up there? I said, yes, I'll find my way back up there. No problem. I'll head out there. So I got up there again and, uh, sure enough, that same bull, I I could see him farther and I cow called and he would bugle, but I couldn't get him to come towards me. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried about Eric at this point and my son for that matter, because he had, you know, some signs of altitude sickness. So I I probably only hunted till about I spent like, by the time I got up to the mountain, I was probably there for about two hours. And I thought, you know, I got to get back and see what's going on. So I come back down and they got the whole camp packed up in the truck. And Eric, like still, he's a little bit better than he was, but he was still in pretty bad shape. He he slipped the disc pretty bad and uh, everything's packed up in there. So I throw my, my two bows inside the boat with a bow tube but it's a it's a tube that's about six and a half feet long that i could fit my longbows in put it in the back of the truck and i strap it with four ratchet straps across you know across all the stuff so we strap all the stuff down and we got to head out and this road is so bad i'm, I'm thinking i don't know how i'm gonna get it you know i don't know how eric's gonna be able to survive this because of the pain he was in and we go this is this is where it's gonna get important and it, 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 we go not even a mile and I turn around and I look and my boat tube is out of the truck already. It's gone. It, wow. it ended up with that mattress and the stuff had combined and it made a hollow spot that everything was tight, but it was loose where the bow was, the bow tube. Okay. And these are, keep in mind, this is, this is my homemade bows that I've shot so many animals with that I was, I was a little worried. Okay. And as we got to this one intersection, I said, Hey, Eric, we got, we got to turn around. I got to, I got to see what happened to those bows. We didn't go that far. So I thought, well, we're going to find them right back there. Well, as we turned around four motorcycles go by. So four of those Enduros you see, and I know the first one was a woman and the other two were kids. And I think it was, it was probably a dad in the back and they go through and we come right behind them. But of course we're slower. I cannot find those bow tubes anywhere. My bows are gone. And I mean, gone, gone. Like we looked everywhere. So I thought, well, either somebody picked them up or whatever the case is. And, and they're, they're, 
they're wooden longbows that have snake skin on them that probably look like an old artifact. You know, most people are going to think they're junk. You know what I mean? Or they're just, who uses these anymore and throw them out. <laughs> wow. So I thought, you know, I am never going to see these bows again, but luckily I had left a third bow at Eric's. I had three bows that I brought with me. And as soon as I got to Eric's, I know not to keep all my eggs in one basket. So I took my one bow out and I set it in his garage and Eric didn't even know I did it because he says, what are you going to do? He says, you got no bows. I said, I have one more bow. He says, well, where do you have it? I said, I put it in your garage before I left. I said, so if something, if we get rolled over the truck or we went down a hill or whatever, I'd have one more bow. Back up. But that, yep. But that was one of the bows I had bought. It was one of those two bows I had bought when I started. And, uh, I was just devastated because I mean, the whole point of me going out there is I wanted to kill a bow, kill a bull with, with a bow, yeah. a bow. And the, my daughter helped me, but my daughter helped me make my arrows. She helped me cut the feathers, grind the feathers, everything. You know what I mean? So I still had the arrows, but I didn't have the bow. And I was completely heartbroken the next day. Cause now I can't go back up there. I don't have anywhere else to go. So luckily I know there's elk over by my other friends that had invited me down so that night I, I, I stayed up till, I don't know, it was one, two in the morning coming up with a plan uh, to find elk again. And that next morning I got up early and Eric's daughter was there and she came up to me and said, oh man, I'm so sorry about your bulls, but you know, you know what you should do? You should check with the, uh, and keep in mind, Eric lives like an hour and a half from where we were, maybe, maybe a little more than that. It might've been two hours from where we were. And she says, you should check the fishing game and check the uh, BLM. And I'm like, that's a good idea. I said, I'll check them, but you know, they're probably not going to see anything. So I go to the fishing game, nothing. I go to the BLM. I, 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 of course I left my number and a name and a description and I walk into the BLM and this lady's there. I said, Hey, my name's Brian Collins. I was up on such and such, such and such trail on this pass. And uh, where, where, where was that? Exactly. Do you know where such and such? Cole, Cole, you know where such and such is, don't you? <laughs> sure, I do. You, you know what? You know what I'm getting at. Anyway, so and I told her, I said it's it's a green bow tube. It's about six feet long. She says, no, we didn't we didn't get anything like that. She says we got we got a red arrow case in today, and. At this point, I'm about in tears. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just never going to see this bull again. And I, I, really, to be honest with you, I just wanted to leave because I just felt so bad. Yeah, but yeah. but out of respect, you know, I didn't want to be rude to her. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to wait. And I look up and she has this bow tube in her hands. And I was like, oh, my God. So that was a pretty emotional time. <laughs> but, yeah. but I got those bulls back. And Unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe it. It's And, you know, it's pretty... It's, the, the lady that had gone through on the motorcycle wow. and this is the truth. And she left her name and number. Thank God. Cause I called her and she said, I look, I opened it. I looked in there and she says, these are important. I need to get these to somebody. And her son said, well, why are you going to take them? She says, I needed to show him a lesson that, you know, somebody's going to want these and that it's important that you do the right thing. So she was grateful that she got to teach him a lesson. And I was eternally grateful that she took them back and, and, brought them to this place which i happen to be in that town she could have brought them anywhere you know what i mean but wow. luck, luckily i got these bows back and the first thing i did is i called my brother because i already had called my brother and told him hey I'm, I'm out two bows he says no not not the ones you made us yep the ones i made are gone and uh he says to me he says you're gonna get an elk he says you're gonna get an elk he says you gotta hunt your hardest he says you gotta hunt your hardest but he says you're gonna get an elk and uh so let me let me let me find out, Brian. Let me put a team. What what what's, sure. what's the date of this hunt? I mean, what year is this? This, this is 2018, 
Uh-huh. And this, this, this is like, uh, I believe we were there. I think it was there by the second day. And the, the, in 2018, it didn't start like in the beginning of September. It had right, started right. and started August. in August and it ended, it ended earlier also. Right. So this is, this would have been like day, my day two. Okay. Yeah. So now I proceed and we're, we're on this plan that we're going to go find elk. So I make this plan. Okay. So this is a, this is a good one too. So I, I, through the Google earth and I, I find out where I think there's going to be elk, where I could get to from my other, my other friend's place. And it looked pretty good, but of course you're dealing with Google earth. It's not up to date information. Right. So I start walking in with my son at, I don't know, four 30 in the morning, whatever it was. And I am in dead fall central. I mean like dead falls, like as high as you can climb over, like you couldn't even walk over anything. You could, you could climb over everything. And of course it's dark out. So I can't tell how far does it go that way? How far does it go that way? So I'm just, I'm like, well, we got to get through it. I don't know how far it goes. It could go for three miles, which seemed like it did, but it didn't. But after about 800 yards and it just started getting light and I'm like, you know what, we'll get up through to that next hundred yards, Logan. I said, then we'll take a break. We'll do some calling. And as I pointed a bull stood up and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he cut, kind of perpendicular to that and me not knowing any better let's let's go after him <laughs> so we started cutting across the uh the uh blowdowns to go the other way you know what i mean the best thing i could have done is get out of them just skirt around them but didn't know any better at the time but at least at that point i knew there was elk in there and uh we spent uh probably five or six days harassing this bull and, and i i think you guys mentioned on other podcasts where when you're busted and you call, like, you know, we'd call at him, but I think he knew we were there. He either smelt us or saw him, but now he knows, he knows your name and number at that point. And yeah. you know, yeah, he's got your voice picked. He, yeah. yeah. And Ooh. you don't know that in your first year. So you, you're like this, uh, uh, annoying little, uh, annoying little kid that's following you around or something. You know what I mean? Hey, mister. Hey, mister. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, we had to try some, to find some other spots and, you know, we picked, we picked several other ones, but there wasn't the elk sign as much as that spot. But after this week goes by, Eric's finally feeling like he says, you know what? I, I, I think I can get you in another spot. And he says, I think I can get you one that, you know, you, you might be able to get to. So I said, great. So we're going to go find this other spot. And th- of course it's his, it's his normal road. You know, it's like this imp- impenetrable road in this straight up climb and whatever. But, uh, you know, we were able to get through that day, but there was the elk and he had some good intel because he knows a lot of people out there and, you know, they're, they're the locals that hunt them and he got some good intel. He says, the elk are up there. He says, if you want that guy to get an elk, get up there tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. But when we got up there, we could see all the elk across the mountain. They had already moved down and moved up. So we're like, right. we're like, uh, all right, well, this, this probably isn't going to work. So we, we set up camp on this. I'm on this ledge, honest to God, I, I put my, I put my, my sleeping bag. Cause he, he didn't use any shelters. Cause if, if you knew the weather was good, you, it wasn't that critical at that point. But so I, I got my sleeping bag next to this tree. And I know if I rolled that way, it was like 30 feet down. And I know if I rolled that way, it was like 15 <laughs> feet down. <laughs> so needless to say, I, I, I wasn't going to sleep that good. That Beto night. would have loved, would have loved what that said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. Did I drop you a pin or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, just like one of my spots, dead ball, well, sketchy sleeping. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's exactly. And you know that. You know, and that's one thing I will say to Eric's credit. He says, "Hey, man, 
He says, if you want to get where the elk are, he says, you got to be willing where nobody's going to go. He says, that's where the elk are going to be. And he's not wrong because there's spots I was climbing. I was like, there's no way an elk could get up here. And you get up there and there's elk sign all over the place. And you're like, I don't know how they got up here, but they got up here. So anyway, we're sitting, we're there. sitting on the mountain. So, sleeping so there. let me, let, let's clarify. So when you say up there, a lot of people always like get a perception of what up there looks like. Like a lot of people think that that's above Timberline or they think that's in Aspen or they oh, think that, so, you know, what does up there look like? At, at, at this one, there was, there was some good metals, good parks around there. It was a lot of good grass. And then above that, it was kind of rocky. Like it would be above tree line. So and, about, uh, about what elevation? That, that elevation was probably uh, 11 something, 11. Okay. So you are up there. <laughs> no, we're up there. Yeah, we're yeah. up. I mean, you, you, that's up there. That place is up there, up there. And so we're sitting there and, and Eric's a contractor and he builds houses and he, he sells houses. He's, he's got, you know, kind of a business he does. So we're sitting there and his phone rings and it's his wife. <laughs> it's, it's his, it's Gilbert. his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, Manano. <laughs> so it's it's his wife and his wife says, Hey, uh, we got an accepted offer on our house under one condition. And it was above their asking price. He says, But we gotta be out in less than two weeks. So needless to say, there goes Eric again. So we spent I, I spent I, th- I think I I helped them move all the big stuff. So I think I took two or three days to get all the big stuff. And then I went back to trying to find my own way again. So I lost kind of another week with him and I was out there floundering around and I still got an elk. Like I still got into some elk and I called in, I, excuse me, I called in some cows and I was really close to some cows. And I know I had a bull that was just out of sight that I would say was probably 45, 50 yards. Cause it was a lot of evergreens, but I just, I couldn't quite see it from where it was, but it's bugling back at me left and right. So I'm still getting encouraged. I'm, I'm not down. I'm not, I, I wasn't upset. I wasn't uh, discouraged. I just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's okay. And then, uh, El, you know, Eric said, he said, Hey, you, you want to try to go, we could probably go out in a couple more days up to this spot. I said, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go back to where you took me. I said, I'm just going to park farther away and, 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 and walk up there. He says, you're going to have to park. He says, you're going to be, you know, five and a half, six miles from where we were. I'm like, it is. And, and I was supposed to go out to eat. He wanted me to go out to eat with him that night. And my other friends, they were going to come to town and we were going to go out to eat. And it was in the morning at that time. And I said, all right, I'll go out to eat. And I was sitting there and it was just, it was like burning in my mind. After, well, I shouldn't say that. that was like the last week. This is the last week. Now I'm building up to, there was some time in there, but we'll get cut to the chase on this part. But um, we're sitting there and we were going to go out to eat and it's just burning a hole in my mind. I'm like, I got to get back out there. I can't, I can't get an elk here you know and i know these guys really good and i i, I didn't feel bad saying eric you know i i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna walk in there i'm gonna pack in there and i'm, I'm gonna set up a spike camp and he was gonna meet me there the next day and i got up in there and i set up camp and i saw no elk that day at all didn't hear him so i was a little discouraged that day but i knew we'd seen him before so the next morning i got up set up on that meadow was making some calls i didn't hear anything and all of a sudden i could see a cow come out up ahead up ahead of me probably like maybe 200 yards or so and then another cow and then a calf and then another cow and i'm like oh there's there's going to be a bull coming out at some point and eventually the bull came out so i started doing some cow calls to get some of them cows cows to come down me and sure enough this calf just comes running at me mm-hmm. and of course you know 
-hmm. what I probably should have did is shot the cow or the calf at that point. Cause I had been there. I don't know how many days, but the calf came down and I'm like, I don't want to shoot a calf the cows right there. The cow comes down and that's when the bull stepped out. So now I can see the bull and I got the cow here and I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lost focus, man. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no, I, you know, you. I, I was, I was really, I really wanted. Isn't it to shoot funny how priorities change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my heart, my heart was really in a bull, so it wasn't that big a choice. So I'm like, all right, I, I got to go for it. So I kept cow calling, and this bull just started bugling at me like crazy. But the cows had worked through. It's an avalanche shoot at this point. It's really steep, you know, yeah. where the grass is green, but it's an avalanche shoot. And that bull got to the edge of the avalanche shoot, and it turned around and looked at me, and it let out one big bugle. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give him a challenge bugle and just see what he does. So I let out my best my best rendition of a challenge bugle at this first year level. And he bugled back, but he just turned around and kept going. And I'm like, you know what, mm. my hopes and dreams are going that way. What am I going to do? I'm going that way. So I, I cut on a 45 to try to get where I could get up at his level. And, uh, again, back to Cole's territory. Uh, it was like Cole set this map for me, I think. So I start going up at a 45 and I'm in deadfall central. I mean, like I'm not making much progress and I'm hoofing. And, and at that time I was probably in the best shape I've ever been. And I'm just cruising as fast as I can. And, uh, I get up to where I can't breathe anymore. I bugle and he's mad and he's getting closer. So I go up as far as I can. Again, I did this like four or five times where I just go until I couldn't go anymore and bugle. And I was almost to the edge of these deadfalls. Like I could see the edge and I'm like, okay, I got to get, and, and I, he's getting closer and closer. I could just tell he's coming. And I'm like, I got to get to the edge of these deadfalls or I'm not going to get a shot. Cause obviously I'm shooting traditional equipment. I can't shoot 50, 60 yards. So I take off my last little bit and all of a sudden I could see his feet. I'm like, Oh boy, I'm in trouble now. Cause <laughs> I got, I had about 25 yards to the edge of this, this, uh, these blow, these blowdowns. And he was just mad as heck at me, you know, it just, just mad. And the way I put my bugle on, I, I, I use, I used two flexible bugle tubes and a mouth call. So I can cut, I can bull call, but I pop the tube off. So I drilled a hole in it so I could pop the tube off so I can cast calls behind me. So mm -hmm. I have a, I have a bungee. I have, I took the original strings off and I put bungee cords. So they're tight. Okay. So they don't get them the way my shot, but I can pull them and then I can, I can call behind me. So I did some cow calls behind me and this bull started coming and he's coming straight at me. Cause when, you know, when you call by yourself, of course, they're looking right for you like this. And I'm like, okay, this is not good. So he came all the way within probably 12 yards where he's looking right at me. And I'm like, oh, please turn, please turn, please turn, please turn. So he finally gets, and I, in, at the time, I, I still have my windicator where I can reach it. And I'm just blowing and the wind's blowing to my left and he's coming down like just to my left. So if he goes a couple more feet, he's going to smell me. So I had to decide to pull back. He's about to smell me. <laughs> yeah. So, so at, at this time, I didn't know yeah, it, but. Bro. You got to draw. And that's what I said. I said, I got to pull back and I hope that he turns where I can, I can pop a shot off because he was close enough. Well, he rolled around so fast and took off. He went about 50, 60 yards. And I thought that's the coolest thing in the world. And if that ends my hunt right here, I'm good with it, but I'm not giving up. So I started calling again and he came back in and he was farther away the first time. And then he started to leave called him back again. He started to leave. So the then I, bull? He, he was, no, it was a five by five, but he's, you know, it, it was a decent fight, not much smaller than the one I shot, but it's gotcha. a decent five by five. It was in the picture. One of the, it was one of the bulls in the picture I sent, uh, sent him. But this time I, I did a chuckle at the end and, and 
boy, he got, he got mad. I mean, he got mad. Like he was just wanted to kill me mad and he's bugling and chuckling and he's coming right back. And I got three spots I can shoot next to the edge of this deadfall. And I need him to come right tight to him. Cause it was going to be like 28 yards. And, uh, I cow call where I think he's going to stop on the first opening. And of course it's like a delayed reaction. So he stops like two feet too short or two feet too late. Yeah. So he, he gets to the next opening and I tried to time it where I'd be a little early where this time he's like a foot too late and it's the last <laughs> opening. It's the last opening. And I know that I've been jerking with this bull so long. I know he's, this is, this is probably it if I could get a shot. So the next one, I decided to do it early and uh, I did it early and he, he, he started to bugle and I'm like, I have, there's some branches in the way. And I'm like, I have to tuck this arrow in where it, just miss there's one branch hanging down and i'm like i have to miss that branch but it has to be close to it and i pulled back and when i shot the fletching hit that branch as it went by and that that arrow hit him right in the, and he stopped a little forward so i hit him in the back of the lungs but i hit him pretty good and i didn't know elk could run that fast because after i after no i hit him he was Damn. gone and the first thing i saw was uh my arrow it it went uh more than halfway but the, i'd say about a foot of the fletching was sticking out and the first thing i see is my fletching go flying because i was using a cedar a cedar a wooden arrow and uh i felt pretty good about it but i i'm cautious you know what i mean so i went up and i looked at the arrow i saw blood and on that hill i could get reception I, and i called eric and i said <laughs> and eric was planning on coming up there that day and i called eric i said hey i know you're not gonna believe this but i just called the bull and shot it I said, wow. I, I said, are you mm. going to, he says, are you still planning on coming? He says, yeah. He says, I'll plan on coming. I said, well, I'm going to wait for you to get here and then, then we'll go look. So it took him about, I would say a good two hours before that, by the time he got there and climbed up and, and I told him, you know, bring extra water. Cause we're going to burn a lot of water. You know, if we, if we did find it. Mr. Collins, not to cut you off, but I'll, yep. are you shooting a Flint broadhead? No, that one was a steel broad. That was a Magnus. To, uh, it's a Magnus. To blade. Yep. That's not a gotcha. snuffer. It's a wasp, but it's it's a glue on uh, two blade broadhead. Gotcha. Okay. So I was like, holy crap. He shot that bull with a daggum. That, that's a dream. That, that's a dream of mine, but I'm going to get a few more under my belt before gotcha, I get, gotcha. before I get too carried away. But anyway, so I knew I hit a good. And after about, it was probably just over two hours. I thought, well, I'm going to go up there and, and just check that blood because Eric should be here shortly. And I went up and checked the blood and it was bleeding like a stuck pig. And uh, I'm like, all right, that's a good sign. But I wasn't going to go any farther until Eric got there. So I went down and met Eric. So he wouldn't bump him coming up because he was going towards where Eric was coming. So I told Eric, go down low and I'll meet you and we'll come up around. So I didn't want him to bump it if it was bedded somewhere. And when he got up by me, it ran back towards that avalanche chute and it bled awesome until it got to that avalanche shoot and when it got to the avalanche shoot i couldn't find any and it's kind of not you know it's not really grassy it's like kind of gravelly so it's hard hard to see and uh i could not find out which trail it went on going across that darn avalanche avalanche shoot and eric couldn't either so we spent probably an hour trying to find out where it went on that gravel that avalanche shoot and finally we said well, let's just go across and we'll, we'll catch all the trails going in and when I get across, of course, I can smell elk like it's going out of style. You know, it's, you know, they reek. And I'm like, Eric, can you smell that? I can, I can smell it. He says, yeah, I smell it. I smell it. And he's looking around and he's looking around and I'm looking around and probably 15 minutes go by. And Eric goes like this. He waves me over and he points and I'm looking and I can't see anything because there's this big tree in the way. And uh, 
Hmm. He did that like three times. He says right there. I'm like, what? I can't, I don't see what you're seeing. I'm looking like this and I'm looking like this. And finally he says, take a step to your left. <laughs> I take a step to my left and my eyes got about this big because it was laying right there. He had found it. He just didn't tell me he found it, of course. And, uh, oh man, I tell you, but tears were falling at that point. Practically, oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. But, so- uh, so what I want to what I want to do at this point because this is 2018 and what I want people to understand is in that story you were talking about your relationship with those two O's and you were talking about your relationship um, with your traditional equipment because that really plays big into this story yeah. as we move forward to 2020 because uh, I'm sorry 2021 this year. Um, and, and you've developed this passion. You've learned a lot of lessons. You've taken two elk prior to this season when you get a chance with your brother. And has, your brother has never gone elk hunting yet with you? No, he, no, he, he has not. In fact, uh, why like is said, that? My, my, my brother, he, like I said, he's a great hunter, great whitetail hunter. But he had uh, thyroid cancer and he had part of his thyroid removed and for a long time he was battling getting his thyroid levels as as you know your the way your your body works correct and he was having problems and he still has problems but he was having problems where he couldn't even pull back his bow his arms would go numb his hands would go numb almost like carpal tunnel but mm-hmm. but it's not it's not carpal tunnel but my brother's pretty creative so you know he at one point he couldn't shoot his bow but he came up with a strap release that he made so he takes a strap that he sewed together and it's like a little flap that he can pinch between his thumb and finger and that's what he uses for release but oh wow but but the bottom line is is that kind of terrain with his health uh was was bad on the first year well the, the following year he had his neck fused so his neck two vertebrae were fused together from, you know, years in the service and ground and pound for all the stuff you carry and this and that. And he had two, yeah. Yeah. He had two vertebrae uh, and they thought that would help his hands. And uh, it's still, they still bother him. And then the, the next thing they want to do is they want to fuse one more vertebrae together, but to do that, you got to take out the other fuse and then fuse the three of them together. So basically uh, he, he, he has, I mean, he's listened to a little bro talk about these elk hunts and tell these yep. stories and you guys are shooting together all oh, the yeah. time oh, yeah. and, and he wants to do this thing, but basically he knows he can't. Yeah. He knows he, he can't, he can't right now. And, and I think, uh, you know, one way or another next year, he's going to be there. Even if he can't hunt, he plans on come. Cause I told him, you know, there's, there's elk stream or elk stream, there's a uh, trout streams and, uh, there's other things you can do that, that he could handle. And, and actually, to be honest with you, where, where I ended up shooting this other bull, he probably could have handled if, you know, once he got up there. Right. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, even, you know, Luis, you love your bow. You love archery, right? You know, are yeah. you just going to let, you just going to let anybody shoot your bow? You know what I mean? Right. But especially, you know, especially now, especially traditional archery. Cause yes. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's and, your, your special brand bow. Do you shoot now, Mr. Collins? I shoot my homemade Osage oh, self bow. Your then, brother but, has a homemade one, right? Well, my brother has one that he bought. He he has a hummingbird. Okay. And that's the that's the bow that that he uses. And I told him, I said, you know, hey, if you can't go hunting with me, I said, how about if I I kill one with your bow? I said, then it's like you're there because he under you know my brother understood what what my two bows meant to me. He understood. It's like 
your bows, but on steroids, how much you, you know, you're attached yeah. to them. Yeah. So when I lost him, he knew how much it meant to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, you know, Hey, if you can't, if you can't be with me, part of you can, you know what I mean? Is, is sure. what I meant. And, it, and I wanted to honor him that way. Cause I, you know, I look up to him and respect him and I, and I wanted him to know that, you know, and I, and to be honest, he gave me a bow almost identical to that bow, but my son kind of stole it from me. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> Amazing so how those he, things happen. He, right. And, uh, and, and when I, when one day when we were sitting there shooting, I said, Billy, Hey, if, uh, if you can't go, I said, why don't I take your bow and, and shoot an elk with it? And he says, well, you got, he says, you got almost the identical same bow that I gave you that Logan has. I said, yeah, Bill, that, that's not the point. I said, that's not your right. bow. That's not yours. And, and, right. and, I, and I didn't, I didn't push it anymore. Cause I, you know, either you get it or you don't get it. You know what I mean? And sure. the next day, you know, or the next time he came, which was maybe a day or two later, whatever it was, he came over that bow and he handed with, handed it to me, said, go get one with it. And, uh, that's, that's wow. when I start, I started using that. Bow. Now I got news for you, dude. When you say that, I'm sorry, but I see Rocky and, and, yeah. and uh, you know, man. Rocky, Rocky's down and out, man. And, yep. and his wife and walks I, up and says, yep. go do it, you know? Yep. And, and that's, man. that's kind of how it is. Just and, win. And, and I, I'll be honest with you. It, it, it makes you, uh, it definitely makes you, it, it makes me want to try harder than yeah. what I probably would try myself for sure. And, uh, that really set, that really set the stage, but now the previous two years, I built up so much more knowledge, not only of the area, but of calling of understand where they're coming, understanding where they're going, understanding when to push, understanding when to shut up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, cause this, now I've listened to 148 episodes of your podcast <laughs> sure. And at that time, it wasn't that many. At that time, it was probably 130 or whatever it was. But I told wow. my, I told my wife before I left. I said, Brain you know, damage. I said, <laughs> I, I told her. Armed I said, with some armor. Yep. I told her. I said, if I can hear a bull and it wants to play, I said, I feel like I'm going to get them. That's and that's the last thing I said. But you you know how you get. Uh, you know, we say that the 10 percent club. You know, yeah. it's 10 percent. 10 percent of people get the elk. Well, the previous year. I had called in 10 bulls, but we had different things happen, whatever. So I told my wife, I said, my number's up because my buddy had missed the previous that year. So that but those 10 were away, but I didn't shoot. So I said, my number's up. I'm going to get an opportunity. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, 
visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And uh, so we start this hunt, and uh, and I took, you know, I got my brother's bow, and I came out to the northern part of Colorado first, and uh, it was still a spot that we we had. Um, scouted again but i had you guys know this and that's probably one of cole's favorite spots because we get there and it and it, it and it was uh it was not on onyx yet but it had just burned so we set up in the middle of the night and we could smell like we knew there was a fire somewhere but we couldn't see how bad and we had camp set up well we set up in a valley by a creek and when daylight rolls around it's like you know like, like the moon landing you know it's like holy man this is going to be a little different than what we had uh, planned on our e-scouting but we were up that morning and uh you know uh you know we had learned a lot about that area and i i got up that morning and i i set out and i went to go where i had called in a bull the previous year in a little patch it was like a little green patch and i could tell there was some bull sign in there but nothing so then i went way 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 back and i was so far back there that I got a little nervous cause it was so hot out this year. And, uh, I did end up hearing a bull. I couldn't get him to play. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I, I got to get out of here. I'm just not seeing the sign. I'm not, I'm not, there was, there was not the tracks, not the, not the scat, uh, not the grass that I thought would be there from a couple of years previous from the fire. I thought it would be a lot greener and it just never, it never greened up. And I was going to bail to another spot. And there's a guy I took the previous he is a lot that- like Cole, man. <laughs> yeah, <man>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Run and gun. Yeah. So I, I'm like, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta try another spot. And that my buddies that I took the previous year, uh, were coming out, but they were only coming out for like seven days. And I was going to check out the spot that we had, uh, that we had found on Onyx ahead of them to make sure if I could find elk, I was going to be in them and go in them. And then if they got there, they were going to join me if they got there. Well, I got there and, and I don't know how, I don't know if you guys run in this, but this is a good question for you guys. But when I got to this area, it was two roads that should have been public, but there was gates across them with locks. And there was a sign on one of them that said access for only whatever. And the other one had no sign. Like maybe somebody just put it there and it really shouldn't be there. It's kind of how I felt it was, but I don't know that. I don't know if you ever run into that or not, but, but, uh, so I couldn't get back there cause it was way, way back where we would have wanted to go. So I had to resort to plan B. The only way I was going to hunt the next, next day is to go to the spot that I had gone the previous year, which is where I end up going for this bull. So I'm like, I get down to this spot and, uh, I'm excited. I got there late at night, but I could hunt the next morning. So I was fired up and I came up with the plan. Normally on this, this particular setup, I go, I, I climb, it, it's a spot 
like I said, I don't like to hunt the trailheads if I can help it. I try to find a spot that looks miserable to go up and then likely people won't go past that. And it's not where any other main roads are. So, and I could barely park off the road. So I had to like, literally I'm parked at like this off to get off the road where I got to go up the steep hill. But I know there was elk up there previous years. It was the spot that I had found, you know, uh, when Eric was out of commission. So I start heading up this, this mountain because I normally go over the top and then I loop all the way around the mountain back to me or I go to where my base camp is my my base camp is a it's a 12 foot trailer but it has a, uh, a it's an a-frame pop-up that has a four-wheeler trailer on it so if I want to I can go back to my camp if the elk are the other way or I can go back to my truck so it gives me another option essentially but it's a long walk it's like probably eight miles so I start going up the mountain and i'm already seeing sign i'm like holy man this i can smell elk i can see elk there's elk crap and it's still of course it's early in the morning it's pitch black and i get up to about the three-quarter mark and i hear a bark and i'm like "Uh uh-oh this isn't good so i'm like i gotta just wait them out because it doesn't do me any good to call at that point you know it's dark yeah yeah, it's dark so i'm like i gotta figure out which way they're gonna go and I know where they bed and I know where some watering holes is to my left. And I know they went to my left. So I just let them go. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do rather than try to go after them after they knew something was up, I'm going to go over top of the Hill. I'm going to work some setups and try to come back around that evening to try to hook up with them in the evening, go into that water on the backside, you know, closer to my truck. And, uh, I ran into another bull. I could hear them and I, it possibly it could have been another hunter but i haven't seen many hunters back there but that doesn't mean they're not back there so i had a little action for a while but i probably did maybe a half a dozen setups throughout the day before i got i wanted to be back by that wallow by three o'clock this was my plan just so i could hear if they came up to get a drink or whatever i i could be in position so i worked my way back and i got there a little late i probably got there at 3 30 and uh that wallow was just you know, I hadn't seen it this year, obviously, but it was full of water and it was just tore up. And I was like, you know what? I, I might've missed them. I might, they might've been in there or he might've came down to drink during the middle of the day. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen from here. So I sat there for, I don't know, it was about an hour and a half and I could hear the cows start calling. And, uh, that bull got up and he bugled. And I'm like, Hmm, they're definitely right where I thought they were going to be but I don't know which way they're going to go. I, I assumed that they were going to come to me because it was the only water I knew of at the time. So I'm just trying to wait them out. But as he, and he's bugling like crazy, he's just around a bugle, around a bugle, around a bugle, around a bugle, but quiet, like very, very quiet. You know, it wasn't like a, a real loud. And I finally determined that he's going the other way. He's not going the other way fast, but he's not coming to me. And I was kind of surprised. So I'm like, okay, I was hunting the high side of that wallow because, you know, with the thermals going up, so I'm like, okay, I got to come up with a backup plan. So I quick went down to the low side of the wallow. I just, I have a folding. So I keep for boy tail hunting. I just cut myself a little blind in that I could come back to. If I didn't catch up with these elk, I had a backup plan. So I did that and I could still hear them. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to get up that way. So I, I tried to book her up there as fast as I could. And I got about 150 yards and I figured he was probably you know, 400 yards, 350 yards. And you know how they're always closer than you think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I bo- moving away. Yeah. So I started to do just a couple light cow calls to see if I could hear him bugle. And then I went to step over this log. And as I stepped over it, a cow and a calf were walking towards me. 
And I'm like, oh boy. And I couldn't even get my foot all the way down. So I was like half on a branch and half sitting there and I'm kind of shaking as I'm doing this. I'm like, all right, all right. And they kind of sensed something was up and they turned and they ran and they ran right towards that bull. And I thought, oh boy, I hope I didn't scare him because that whole thing's going to be blown up. And I said, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to, if I hear, if I hear him bugle, I know he didn't booger out of there. You know what I mean? And sure enough, I heard him bugle. So I decided I was going to try. Now, I, I will tell you though, on that, not necessarily, I've seen cows run by a bull and then that bull will bugle, you know, do his roundup thing and they keep going. And he's like, all right, here we go. And ends up, you know, following and them out. So to be, to be honest with you, Joe, I think that's exactly what happened. I, okay. cause you're going to find out here, but, uh, <laughs> Makes sense. you know, it, it does. And, but, but I knew at this point, I knew that, um, I knew that a cow and a calf were separated from him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I knew that if I sound like a bull, I got, I got some stuff cut out for me. He said, I said, yeah. you know what I'm gonna do? That's I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put out a good chuckle at him just to see what he does. And when I let out this chuckle, man, he let out the most bad, aggressive uh, <laughs> bugle ever at me. Like I knew that chuckle got him pissed. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna book her towards him because I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like a bull because I knew I had, you know, a couple hundred yards to go. So I'm just starting to crack some branches as I'm going by them because it was pretty wide open where I was at this point. And I started cracking some branches and I stopped when I, you know, run out of breath because I'm going uphill and I let out a bugle with a chuckle at the end and boy, he was pissed again. And, and then this time I'm like, I think he might be getting closer, but I'm like, I got to cover some ground. This is Joe talking in the back of my head right now. Hey man, you're in a wide open. This ain't going to do you any good because yeah. you've got a longbow, dude. You need to get some cover. <laughs> and I look up and I About can see. set up, yeah. Yeah. So I look up and I can see the thick cover. And, uh, I told Joe, there's, there's this one Ternos in my way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, somebody has been listening. No, I've, yeah. heard that word. I've heard that word from two people on our show so far. So that's yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Listeners. So, so this, this Ternos is probably, I'm going to say at this point, it's about, it's about 80 yards away. So I book her a little bit. So where I got about 60 and I look up and I can see like, not the tips of his antlers, but I can see the upper two thirds of his antlers. And I'm like, Oh boy, that's him. And I'm like, I still, I can't call yet because I can't get to where I need to be. But yet he was, he was already turned after that other bugle to kind of figure out where I was. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that he was turning down to come down. So I just, I knew he couldn't see me because I couldn't, I couldn't see his face. I couldn't see his head. All I could see was his antler. So I just kind of took off essentially almost at a pretty good pace, not a, not a dead run, but as, as fast of a run as a 52 year old man can go going up a hill that he was struggling to get up in the first place. And I would say I got to about probably 40 yards from the other side of the turnouts right now. And this bull comes down and he pops out and he's looking right down into the opening by me. And I'm like, do not make a sound. Do not make a sound. Don't let them know where you are. Just Absolutely. let them, let them do whatever he wants to do. And finally, he turned around after he bugled, he bugled at me a couple of times just to try to figure out where I was or what I was. And I just let him turn around and I let him go back to where he was coming from. And there's these two big, bushy spruce trees and he came down right between them. And I knew he was going back up between them. So when he got up to where his head started to go behind it, I booked her and I got halfway up the Trinos before he popped out the other side. And of course, he popped out the other side and came down and was looking looking towards me but now i'm going uphill and he's he's like uh probably 25 yards away but i can only see his upper 
uh, chest, head, neck area. I, I didn't any uh, facing me to slightly quartering to me. It was it wouldn't have ever been a good shot no matter what I did. So I mean, I gotta let him go back again. So I'm like, okay, I let him go back and I. So, creep. so wait, wait. When he disappeared, because I want everybody to see this because it's exactly right. He's between these trees. You recognize that fact. He's turned and walked away. So did you throw a call out to bring him back? No, I, I, well, I did, I did, but not yet. I let him go because he was going right. back up the hill and I okay. needed to get ahead. So I got ahead first to where I thought I could get a shot. Right. Then I called. And right. were, there okay. other, were there other bulls in there? No, I mean, were no. there, was there like a cacophony of, of sounds going on? <laughs> there there was. God, here he goes again. He had man. to do, oh he my had to pull another word. The cacophony. that up. Is is a cacophony? Yeah. The cacophony was over. It was like over the ridge. I could hear cows farther gotcha. than him, that, which yeah. which made me think that what Joe said was spot on. I think the cows ran past him, and I think he was kind of like bugling, say, "Hey, where 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 where'd you go? Like, come back oh, to me, or right. or maybe me come to you, or whatever it was." Sure. But I want the listeners to understand because you did something that you've learned from us is once a bull has come to an area and he's moved out. When you call, he's going to come back the same way because it's he's already established yes, that safety yes. path, right? Yeah. And, and so that's what you're doing right now. Yeah, right? and we're we're going to prove that more than more than once because I think <laughs> we I moved up the hill again and I still couldn't get a shot. I called him. He popped out the other side that he started on, right? And uh-huh. I'm thinking I'm going to get a shot, right? And he's only I would say at one point he was 18 yards. One point he was 24, 25 uh-huh. yards. But it's so like deadfall and yeah, brush sticking up, mm-hmm. and it, you know. And with a traditional archer, I'm not afraid to put it through a tight shot, and I'll be damned. My my brother would have said, you know, you know, right? There is no shot there. There wasn't. I couldn't. I couldn't find a spot on that side. I only had a little bit of opening on the other side, so I'm like, I gotta let him leave again. So I mm-hmm. let him go back. He gets back up between these same two trees, and I take my final three or four steps and I'm like almost leveled at, at his same level. I got above that little, that little hump, you know, that little mm-hmm. low spot. And of course he pops out the other side and he comes to like 18 yards, but he's again, when you're calling by yourself, he's facing me. And I'm like, this you, yeah. Not- so you threw a call out to bring him back again. Yep. Right. Cow yep. call. Cow call. Cow okay. call. Okay. And then when he, when he left again to go back between the stupid trees again then i i just i just let out a, oh, that's how you really feel oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it. and then and then i i don't know i don't know how to describe this song but it's like a uh i didn't throw out a bugle but it's like a it's like a, it's like a yes yes exactly it's like a wine i i call it a wine but it's just like a little i'm a bull yep, yeah i'm a i'm a bull and i did i was doing some panting in there like i did do some heavy panting when he was when he was putting his head behind stuff, I'd be like, yeah. just to let him know, you know, Hey, I, I'm ready to go. And, uh, at that last point, when I did that little whine, he turned right around and he came back to where he was. And I'm like, okay, when he turns and he gets, cause the only opening I had was right before them two those two trees. I had like a, it was maybe the size of two, three pie plates, but it was a good opening. And he kept going at a good quartering, like a, like almost 45 degrees, like a real good quartering away shot. And I like, if I can stop him before those trees, I'm going to try to take a shot. And I cow called, he stopped and turned his head. He never, he never really turned fully broadside, but you could tell he just kind of turned his body like this. Mm-hmm. And I let my arrow go and it hit uh, mid body 
the third rib back from the back and it lodged in a shoulder right by the neck is where it, where it went. So on the, the other side, on the other side. So there was money. There was, yeah. There money. was like, there was like, uh, the fletching length, which I had, I think on those arrows, it's like probably four and a half inch fletchings or what's whatever. What's a poundage of, what's the poundage you're pulling on that? That one's probably about 55 pounds at my draw length. That's really? 52 yeah. at bills. Wow. Uh, and, uh, it buried it, it buried it good. And actually the tip was actually, uh, after I did the, uh, the, well, you'll find out that I get it. But after I did the autopsy, it was bent inside that it hit that bone pretty hard. But anyway, so this bull takes off. And of course I immediately grabbed my bugle call cause it's flexible. And I let out a bugle and I let out a bunch of call calls and I could hear him stop. So I let out another bugle, a couple calls, and I could tell he, he didn't go anywhere, but all of a sudden I could hear him run. And then I couldn't hear anything. And I'm like, Oh boy, that's not good. I just, I was expecting him to, I was expecting crash. you to crash and then banging and whatever. It never happened. So mm-hmm. I waited, I probably waited there for about an hour. Cause by now it's working towards dark. And I walked over to these, to where I shot. And I would say about six, seven yards from where I shot, there's these two, you know, all the, uh, the, uh, the pines, when they die, they turn that real, like real light gray. Yeah. You know, and there's two of them laying side by side and they're just painted red. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But I, I still, I still don't know what happened that I didn't hear him crash. So I made the decision that, all right, I am not going to push this bull. I'm going to go back to camp. I'm going to get a couple hours sleep and I'm going to come back up. And when I went back to camp, um, when I went back to my Tell me camp, your letter that, uh, you, you heard big O's voice. <laughs> yeah. When you made yeah, that oh, that was it was no doubt. I I mean I wasn't going to push that bull. I mean I felt for sure, and it, it, even like when I got back to camp, the one of the guys I took in 2017 was in the same camp, but he was with his son and his uh, son-in-law and his buddy. They had their own. They started their own little group, and they were off and they were hunting. And I stopped to talk to them, and I said, "Hey, I just hit a bull." And said, and I told them where I thought I hit it. And they're like, it's going to be laying there when you go back. He said, it's going to be laying there when you go back. And they said, Hey, if you need help, you know, let us know and blah, blah, blah. So I went back and of course I tried to sleep and you can't really sleep once you do something like that very well. But I, eventually I dozed off for about 35, 40 minutes, but it was somewhere around. Cause by the time I got to camp after done talk to them, you know, you know how it is at that time of year, it was like 10 30 before you blink. And, uh, by the time I went back up the mountain, I think when I got to go to climb up the mountain, it was like one o'clock. And by the time I got back up there, it was probably one thirty or whatever. By the time we, you know, I started, you know, finding where the blood was and I start trailing the blood and there's, there's a really good video I should send you after this, but uh, I started trailing the blood and the blood's just bleeding like a stuck pig. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is looking really, really promising. And I got to this, another one of these gray logs, you know, these gray logs and the blood trail, you could see it where it kind of spun to the left. Like it had turned right by this log and the blood just dripped by this log and there was nowhere for the elk to go. So I'm like, where the heck did this elk go? I'm looking, 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 and I can't figure out where he went. So I'm like, he must've backtracked. So I, I stepped back about 10, 12 yards or so. And I look and this great, great big like a, a triple tree you know one of these triple tree those uh, tall pine trees that are at the base fell over and where it fell over the elk had died right in that hole that's why i never heard it it fell in a big pile so wow. if you look at that that picture 
it was a miserable thing because if you look no. at that picture check him out <laughs> so Ooh, look at the sword you got wow so yeah, that's an awesome bull thank yeah, you yeah but you can tell why i never heard him he died like in a sand pit i just never heard yeah. the thunk you know and you could see that his back his butt is below the hole his back yeah. is his back is wedged up against the big log pile and his neck's against the log so i'm like down, man yeah well he did i think he just crashed to be yeah, honest yeah. I, I think he was down. done but and there's a there's a great big tree in front of that. I don't even know how he got through there. But I'm man, like, he's okay, such a, he's such a cool elk, man. That's yeah, that's a well time. So, that's an old mature. So let me absolutely. So let me ask you what this phone call to bro was like, man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> had to be emotional. So on my pack out in the drive back, I got a flat tire. And, <laughs> yeah. So, and I keep a patch kit, you know, cause that's not the first time that's happened. Probably not the first time it's happened to you guys for that matter, but I keep a patch kit in my truck, but these two pieces of rock were so big that my patch kit was going to be ineffective. So I had driven to my, uh, buddy's house that was closer. They were like probably 45, 50 minutes from where I was hunting my, my, my wife's friend and my friend from school. And they had a patch kit and they had an air, an air compressor, but I still couldn't patch it, but I at least pumped it up. So now I got to go to town and town's like another hour and a half away or whatever it is. So I started heading out. I got the freezer going. That's all I cared about. And of course, as I get over the mountain, the first text I get is from my brother. Oh, and, man. uh, <laughs> and it says, Hey, did you get one yet? And I said, I didn't even say nothing to him. I sent him a text. I, I sent him a picture of the bull with his, <laughs> with his bull laying on it and my quiver and mm -hmm. he gets the text and he says uh he, he replies back then we got one he says awesome job mm -hmm. congratulations so awesome. that was really cool that was really cool that's awesome that, yeah that was congratulations, neat. congratulations man yeah, i appreciate it what, what it broadhead did he have on the end of his era uh we he, again a magnus two blade we use oh, cool. practically the same setup awesome. do you have but, an idea sorry do you have an idea of, of your total arrow weight my total arrow length, if I remember, weight, oh, the weight, yeah, the weight, or 500 grains, excuse me, not yeah. pounds, excuse me. Yeah, for, for a, you, you said 55 pound bow. Yeah. Pretty good, man. Hammer. Yeah. Hey, but that's the thing, too, that people get so caught up in, I mean, think about this, man. This guy has killed plenty of animals with those arrows mm. with flint on the tip of it and he put this magnets and <laughs> hey, right? Indians use that's all they use he, he's shooting I mean, yeah i mean he's shooting a a, a straight bow at 55 pounds man and yeah. getting it done and I, I i just think so many people just they worry oh, yeah, so yeah. much about that part of it instead of just right. really getting to know their equipment and dude i mean you, you know your equipment and like you said it yeah, you use your brother's bow in this, um, but you guys use that traditional equipment so much. You guys probably, you know, uh, could swap out any time. Oh, I, you know, yeah. you guys I, I wish the legend could have been in on the show tonight because he is a diehard traditional art yeah. archer and well, at the so, core, man. We've we've converted him a little to nuclear, but he's a he's a big diehard. I mean, the math, so the math still Carl, checks. Right? Your buddy oh, yeah, yeah, was a long all, That's all they used was, yep. and I I, I uh, infiltrated them and uh, got them onto the <laughs> nuclear side. Nuclear. They they loved. They shot black widows, yep. and uh, so they loved their their uh, longbows for sure. Yep. That's the math. A, the math still checks to me. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. sure. five hundred and fifty grain. 
uh, or 500 grain for a 50 pound, 55 pound bow. It's a, yeah. it's a heavy arrow setup. Yeah, and it's, it's going to well, it, it, put it some shows, out there. It proves the point. Yeah, yeah and I absolutely. I think if I wouldn't have hit that shoulder, like if it would have been a straight broadside shot, I think it would have went all the way through or would have oh, been. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have oh, maybe maybe it didn't come out the other the feathers didn't come out the other side. But it. But again, I mean, you're 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 realizing that uh, the your your momentum is more important than your speed yep. and you understand the drop and thus you close the gap to compensate yep. for that because well, you're it, given the, the the importance of penetration and momentum uh more uh, yep. pro more priority on that than, and, than and, speed and distance and, so. and the most important same thing with all you know even with a rifle is the shot placement the shot placement you you know 100%. you get it in the boiler maker you're you know you're and that arrow you know after after looking at it i didn't hit the heart but i went right above it which is probably even better you know what i mean uh, yeah absolutely yep. you know you did the right thing too by backing i mean look i harvested a really cool buck this weekend and I, we heard the buck crash. He was dead within 30 seconds, but we still waited over an hour to go look for him. And he kind of gave us the slip like your buck, your bull did, you know. Yep. It wasn't looking good for the home team. And right. uh, we, <laughs> no. the rascal took a hard left instead of a hard right, you know. Yep, yep. Uh, but he was he was dead within 75 yards and and he was dead. I mean, he'd been dead a long time. We sure. went down there and got him. He was stiff, stiff as a board, man. Well, it was 22 degrees too. So he's kind of mm. froze and stove up. But I mean, at the end of the day, you did all the right things. Cause you know, yeah. if you only get one long or you get long in liver, it's easy to get them big. Oh, for sure. up. And when you yeah. get them up, like you said, uh, you don't know how they can get up there, but they damn sure can. I right, promise yeah. you, they can go where. Well, even when I, you know, even when I left back to Cole again, Cole's really getting me here. But I had an easy walk out the way the bull went. I had to go back down through that miserable deadfall to get out, and I—that's I, what I did because I did—I did not want to kick that bull up, <laughs> you know. But yeah, but I got through it, dude, man. And, uh, what? It was an e it was a pretty easy pack out once you uh you know once the daylight hit it wasn't bad because you could miss all the deadfalls but you know they're hard to miss at night and you don't know how big they are. Oh man, no doubt. So let, I I want to ask you, Brian, what was it like to hand that bow back to your brother? Oh, it was awesome, and there, this story even gets better because uh, you know after I got back, you know I I went to give him the bow. He says he's nope, that's your bow now. He says I want you yeah. to have that. Oh, I gave it to you. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and he, what an honor. And, and, and you know he's got a few of those bows, but uh, you know it's something special. Like I said, I, I when I lost those two bows, you know I have some rifles and shotguns and whatever guns. I would have given every gun I have to have that bow back. To have yeah. that bow back, I, I in a heartbeat. If, if you if you if you said you cannot use any any compound bow or any uh, rifle for the rest of your life, I'd have said no problem. Give, give it back. So I was very fortunate and I was very fortunate for that lady. I, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Now I still have her number, but I, I did call her and I did thank her. And I said, I said, I, I, I really don't under, I don't really don't think you understand how important that was to me that, that I got mm. back. And I said, so I, cool I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and, and actually, and she shot an elk that year with the, she sent me a picture of the elk she shot during rifle season. Wow. Cause uh, I, I, I sent her a picture, you know, after, cause this, you know, I, I think that was my 21st day or it was either my 20th or 21st day of hunting. And, uh, 
I sent her that picture of the elk and she says, congratulations. I'm really glad that it worked out that you got your bow back. And then, you know, I don't know when the rifle, what, what, what season she had, but a couple of weeks later after her rifle season was the, the her family between her, uh, I think she had two boys and her husband, they shot two elk and they sent me pictures of it. And I thought that was really nice. You know, I think, I think it's important to, to emphasize and, and it's kind of crazy because yes, we're talking about the hunting work, talking about harvesting animals, right? And you're taking the life of an animal, but you know, to me, this passion just simply strings chords of emotions and 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 honor and feelings and and it just it just in, increases the level of the touch that you have to have with your soul and, and yep. the human, the human part of it, it just gets exponentially blown up yep. and, and, and you build those relationships and it's just like, there is, I feel it does so much good to the soul and to the human being that if you're not feeling those things as a hunter, then certainly that's not, you know, not, not living. Yeah, that's agreed. not. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. Great, I mean, it's just what a great set of relationships you've made out in oh, absolutely. Yeah, not even knowing people and they're letting you stay at oh, their absolutely. homes and absolutely. stuff like that. I'm I mean, very, just, very, very, awesome. very fortunate. That's very fortunate. Awesome. And and to to Luis's point, you know, um, anybody that's passionate about hunting, it's 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 not it's not all the hunting by any means. It's, it's the passion. It's the relationships. It's the love for one another, the love for the chase, the love for the animal. It's all that stuff. That's, that's to me what hunting is where a lot of people, like you were talking about at the beginning, Joel, a lot of people on the outside look in and say, you're just killing animals, but uh, it's, it's so, so much more than that. that. So much yeah. more than that. Absolutely. The harvest of the animals, a byproduct of our success, right? And it's not anything about the hunt. Um, I mean, for me, it's all about the hunt. I mean, life is life on this earth is set up that way that something's got to die for something to live. And, and sure. what, what what you just did, man, was was way bigger than than all of it, man. And uh, absolutely, do you think you, your brother's going to get to join you next year? I I think he is. I think one way or another. Oh, I think man, I think know about that. He, he's got a, a surgery scheduled for. He's got a tumor on his kidney right now that he's he's going to have surgery on in February. But he's pretty confident that he's going to, you know, one way or another, make it out there, even if it's just more for moral support. And uh, be, I told him we'll be praying for him, brother. Oh, I absolutely. appreciate that. I told him at least, you know, you know, I don't have Manano to cook for me. I said, so, you know, at least <laughs> no slaves in camp. <laughs> I said, at least you could come out and cook for me. You know, the get only the, reason get, why get we missed him this past weekend. No yeah. doubt. No hey, doubt. Brian, man, I just want to thank you, man, for sharing, sharing that moment, sharing the specialness of, of that, sharing uh, your journey. Cause it's been an awesome journey, man. You, I, I, I think it. you were an elk hunter from day one, just because you were a great hunter and, uh, uh, it's, it's a fantastic story, but in, you know, going into the new year, um, first of all, Merry Christmas, because Thank we're recording for- this, and, uh, and this is before we actually have Christmas. By the time this comes out, we've got uh, new year's on in a couple of days. So, uh, happy, happy new, year. new year as well. Happy and year. buddy, I mean, uh, keep in touch. We, we, we really want to hear your future adventures as well, uh-huh. man. 
like I said, I appreciate it. And like I said about Bill, when I, when I took that shot, I felt like Bill's hand was on my shoulder and we would challenge each other all the time when we shoot and say, you know, I, I got a shot for you. I got this one. And when I shot that bull, I could feel him, but I, like I told you, I said, I, I could still feel you guys behind me, you know, and, and, and it's a true, it's weird to say that. Cause you know, you guys never it's met not- me, but I feel like I know you guys for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, I appreciate cool. all of Look your, I mean, we, we went through the same thing two years ago, brother, when Chav wasn't on the mountain with us, we were all hunting for Chav and with Chav. And I mean, it was different, you it know, was powerful, been, man. it was right. so powerful. And Chav's been with me for many, many years, right at my side, not to have him was, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough for me. It was tough for Joe. It was tough for all the guys in camp. I mean, we thought about Chav every minute. We all had Zolios where we could reach out and, and talk to him and text him. And, uh-huh. and, you know, getting him up to camp was the coup de grace. I mean, yeah, you know, harvesting some bulls and having success was great. But, man, just seeing Chav roll yep. up in that mule was an unbelievable thing. We wish you and your brother Bill mm-hmm. the opportunity to do something like that again and oh, have one more ride, I appreciate Amen. it. Yeah, you just got to get him up there at camp, you know, one That's way right. or another. That's, That's right. And I, I appreciate that. And I know you guys, uh, I know you guys be thinking of him and we're thinking of you. And I appreciate that. That's yeah, a absolutely. great way to close out there, mm-hmm. Gil, man. You bitch. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder to all our listeners, if you'd like your questions answered on the show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Can't thank everybody enough for a great, awesome uh, series tonight, Joe. Cole Wilkes is within the house, the Flatlander. He's got some cool things coming up on his YouTube channel, guys. Y'all are all going to want to check him out. And, uh, Cole, uh, we, we'll be praying for your success, brother. I know you still got some hunts available and, and that you're yep. going to be doing with you and your family. We wish all of our grinders out there a safe and healthy Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you right here next week on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Hey, man. Yep, let Tony close us out, man. Here's some music from our brother, Tony Wintrip. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Down a deep trawl surrounded by some brush And every time I'd see the white tips Get the Rocky Mountain Rush A constant swing of thermals Had him sniffing up the wind As the blood and sweat and tears of mine Came rolling down my chin I saw a monster with no shots to take Points on top like a garden rake Tracks as big as a Clydesdale on the run he talked trash to me while he ran away And I'll be back to ruin his day When the elk gods come to call on malicious I saw the blue skies open up And the temperature start to drop So I packed up ready to make my way up on the mountaintop With a quiver full of six and three blades sharp and ready My heart was maxed out And all I had to do was hold her steady Delicious was a man above a man 
painted with a splash of mud And he weighed more than a grand Now it's him and I Timberline And he's down to his last stand was a man above a man 